the What I Watch Tonight show. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to Movie Astrology. My name is still Matt Hudson, and joining me tonight, today, is the pod prince, all-round top man, and the statesman to my kingsman. John Burke from BurkeReviews.com. How's it going, Matt? Really very good, thank you, my friend. Um, before we go on, I have the honour and the privilege of stating that John Burke, statesman, all-round top man, and fish and chip fan, has yes. been cleared of all claims of fraud by those fiends at movie pass he's <laughs> well, cleared cinemia was the evil corporation um that i do i want to make sure don't sign up for cinemia people but uh movie pass is back with the unlimited package um here in the states at least i don't know if they're uh i don't know if were they ever ever sees nope okay so movie pass uh you know we had good times um i've been i was a movie pass user for two years i was with them when they were $40 a month and you could see uh, a movie a day, then they went to 10 bucks a month and everyone started getting them and they went bankrupt almost because it was too good to be true. And then they, they've tried different things for about a year and now they went back to an unlimited plan uh, with a little bit more warning. Um, and you know what? I am, uh, I am stoked to have them back because I, I always was a fan of them. I want them to be successful and to be honest, um, I just want to be able to uh, – I know I'm going to see movies, and I'd like to have that option to you know, pay a smaller amount of money because it is, it is a cost to do what we do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Cinemia, they are the frauds. They're the sinners. They're evil. They're banned. Boycott them. Movie passes are right. Um, that aside, how on earth are you? I am doing fairly well. You know, I've, uh, I was at uh, – I've been on spring break for the last week. And uh, I got to go to the Gasparilla International Film Festival here over in Tampa. Um, saw a few uh, really good movies there. One called uh, The Tomorrow Man mm-hmm. with John Lithgow and Blythe Danner that I absolutely loved. A really great documentary called um, Wrestle about high school wrestling that um, if you get an opportunity to see, I, I highly, highly recommend. Um, it, the, it compares itself in its plot synopsis to uh, Hoop Dreams. Um, and I feel like it's a valid comparison. I think there's a lot of similarities um, thematically with those two films. And it was a super entertaining but also emotionally moving doc. So those were my two like big highlights of the festival. Um, but overall, I had a good time. You know, I didn't see as many movies as I thought I would. I ended up, I think I saw six at the festival, which is still a pretty good amount. You know, and I've been watching uh, some movies I've been meaning to get to. I, I've, I just watched uh, Karen Gillian's new film. Or not her new film, her directorial debut film that I thought was pretty great. That's on Hulu right now. Nice. And uh, I also saw um, – I've been meaning to watch David Lowry's film, um, The Ain't Them Body Saints, mm-hmm. and I've, I finally got to that. Um, and, you know, Big Tuna uh, challenged us to watch um, <laughs> Anna and the Apocalypse yes. uh, for our – the his, his – tie with you for the oscar win which i did watch and in the apocalypse um really really fun musical uh christmas zombie musical 
Um, Got to be the only one of those that exists, to my <laughs> yeah. knowledge. Uh, I have yet to watch The Exorcist 2, though. I, I have, I'm have, i getting to it, but I haven't watched it yet. I mean, I've since that day, I've been to Buckingham Palace. I've met the Queen. She's congratulated me on, obviously, leading the country to a to decisive joint victory in the Burke Reviews uh, Oscar draft um, competition there against Big Tuna, coming out of nowhere to secure top spot. Yeah, I challenged John Hartley, and it is a challenge, JB and Big Tuna <laughs> to watch Exorcist 2. Whereas Big Tuna was slightly more forgiving, I thought, well, after the ribbing I've taken, you guys are yeah. getting it. And uh, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. But Anna and Apocalypse, um, I'm checking out next week. Uh, I believe it's a Scottish film, or major- a majority of it is Scottish. I might be wrong there, but um, the premise sounds fun, and I'm going to enjoy it a lot more than you guys will Exorcist too. but you will have a good laugh with that <laughs> as well. Well, I have to say, uh, without I don't want to set your expectations, but I had a really good time with Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, I actually watched two zombie movies this week because um, I don't know if you got to see it, but I, I know I got you to get a screener of One Cut of the Dead. Have you had a chance to watch it? I have been uh, behind on my movies this, this week. I've only seen oh, no, I've seen Us, and I finally watched Stan and Ollie. But this week has been hectic so far. So this weekend coming up, we're recording this on a Friday. This upcoming weekend, I'm going to sit down and, and watch about six films, including Anne in the Apocalypse and... Um, and there's the screening we got as well, as well as uh, Dumbo, Shazam, Pet Cemetery, and whatever else. So looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, JB's alerted a screener to me, and I'm quite excited to watch it. Yeah, man, I uh, I really enjoyed One Cut of the Dead. Um, it, it's I definitely want to talk to you about that. But yeah, I watched that on Monday, and then I watched Anna the Apocalypse on Tuesday. So I had like back to back new zombie films and. I enjoyed both of them. It prompted me to get on my letterbox and make a list of my favorite zombie films all time, which – have you seen Train to Busan? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. Do you know there's a sequel coming out this year? Yeah. I'm I'm apprehensive about a sequel because yeah. it, it ends so well, but I'm also curious of what direction the sequel will go. So um, I, I'm not writing it off, but I am – you know, I love the first one so much. I, in fact, uh, as of now, I have it listed as my favorite zombie film. Um I just – it's hard to get past that movie to me. It's just so emotionally attached and engaging and scary and there's some really cool action sequences mm-hmm. in that movie. Like just really, really love that film. But That's why I wonder where they'll go with a second one. I, I'm guessing yeah. they'll expand it like all sequels do. They will make it bigger. But bigger doesn't always mean better. So as long as they can keep that – the like you say, the emotional ties to the mm-hmm. characters and what's going on, on the screen and keep that kind of – humanity to it rather than just have, rather than just thinking let's go for a full-on resident evil you know zom- zombie yeah. film here yeah, well it should be fine the title though like are they taking another train to busan i didn't want to like, make a joke about that in case i did and then i'd look foolish but yeah. where, where could they be going to next a tra- train from busan maybe yeah they're coming back um, <laughs> yeah. uh, um replacement but, bus service to busan but of know. course you know, we're not here to talk about new movies with this podcast. Absolutely not. I mean, we could talk new movies forever, and we will do. But now, this is the show. This is Movie Astrology. We look up at the stars and we go back in time. And this time, we're going back not... Uh, actually, I say not a million miles away. Cause it doesn't feel that long ago, but it is. Uh, as for the show, though, John and myself, we dive into a randomly selected year in film. And we discuss the top movies and other notable releases from the year. Movers and Shakers during awards season, who debuted, uh, who was born, and sadly who passed away during the year as well. So let's get into it, John. Without any further, can you tell us the year that we're covering in this episode, please? Yes, Matt, we're going back 20 years 
1999, the year that I feel like I may have become a cinephile. In fact, this is, I think, you know, uh, this is a big year for me in movies. I'm one of those people, those people who still thinks 1999 was only about six, seven years ago, 20 years ago now. Uh, A couple of facts. Obviously, the 999th year of the second millennium, the 99th year of the 20th century, and the 10th and last year of the 1990s decade. We all partied like it was 1999. It was also designated as the International Year of Older Persons. So, um, Interesting. Shout out to the older persons from 1999. (laughs) There's a lot of films, there's a couple in particular, which would certainly turn you into a cinephile from this year. But before we get into that, here are some of the major events from throughout the world in the year 1999. In history. The euro currency is established and the European Central Bank assumes its full powers. The Mars Polar Lander is launched by NASA. US President Bill Clinton is acquitted in impeachment proceedings in the United States Senate. White supremacist John William King is found guilty of kidnapping and murdering African-American James Byrd Jr. by dragging him behind a truck for two miles, three kilometers. Bertrand Picard and Brian Jones become the first to circumvent the Earth. I'm sorry, circumnavigate the Earth in a hot air balloon. Called Picard. Bill Gates' personal fortune makes him the wealthiest individual in the world due to the increased value of Microsoft stock. Man, Um, if only I had invested. Uh... This is a tragic one that I'll never forget. Um, Cullibun High School Massacre. Two Littleton, Colorado teenagers, Eric Harris and Dylan Claybold, open fire on their teachers and classmates, killing 12 students and one teacher and then themselves. And it's still rough now. British TV presenter Jill Dando, who was 37 at the time, is shot dead on the doorstep of her home in Fulham, London. Napster, a music downloading service, debuts and forever changes the landscape of music. Does much to the chagrin of Lars Ulrich. Yes. Texas Governor George W. Bush announces he will seek the Republican Party nomination for President of the United States. And off the coast of Martha's Vineyard, a plane crashes piloted by John F. Kennedy Jr., killing him, his wife Carolyn Bassett J- Kennedy, and her sister Lauren Bassett. What's the luckiest family in the world. And uh, sadly, Dusty Springfield, Joe DiMaggio, England's World Cup soccer winning coach Alf Ramsey and wrestler Owen Hart all tragically pass away this year. Owen Hart. Yeah. I remember that. One. I remember watching the uh, pay per view because mm-hmm. we still got the, we all, we always got them over it. But I remember that and just watching him kind of for, for a brief second descending from the audio uh, from the ceiling, and then the camera cutting to the crowd and Jr. and the King would just suddenly shut up. They suddenly just subdued and just were they did not know what to yeah. say. One of the craziest things that ever happened um, in wrestling. I was a big WWE fan mm. growing up, um, and insane. yeah, that that death was insane to say the least. Yeah, and uh, again, we these major events are usually kind of tempered by sadder, tragic, or quite frankly, awful moments. But uh, it just seems to happen. It seems to be what grabs the headlines, like we've mentioned, um, the Columbine High School massacre. Uh, Jill Dander's a documentary on British TV coming up recently about that because it was somebody was just murdered in cold blood by whomever. A guy called Barry George was sent down, uh, even though he claimed his innocence and was and it was freed about ten years ago of all charges, despite spending ten ten years behind bars for something he didn't do. Uh, obviously, the Kennedy plane crash, doubly taking charge. I mean, depending on which way you you, you get you go, but not an awful lot good <laughs> happened from the uh, from the news side of this. No, yeah. Um, I mean, Napster 
is good. Um, obviously, it's bad in some ways because <laughs> it did change the music in a way that's probably not so great. But open new um, doors. Yeah, you know, it did, and, and then I guess there's those, those ways that you know now uh, music is substantially cheaper. It's much more accessible for um, the fans. I don't know if it's better for the artists. I feel like most artists are nowhere near as wealthy as they would have been, you know, tw- well, twenty one yeah. years ago. And, uh, you know, like the way we consume music is definitely differently. Um, and in some ways it's good. And in some ways it's definitely bad, I guess. Uh, and, of course, piracy starts with Napster, Jeez. like uh, on the level that it is now, like digital uh, U-Torrents and uh, what was it? Kazaa back in the Kazaa, day. like Yeah. Um, LimeWire. Lime that's it. Uh, yeah. Audio Galaxy. Yeah. And then, you know, then to Pirate Bay and all the torrents and uh, to now there's websites out there that people use to stream, you know, copywritten material, uh, whether it's movies or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, it definitely it all starts with Napster uh, as far as digital piracy. Yeah. Yes. And I'm uh, just on Metallica. This isn't the Metallica astrology, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing James well, morbidly curious to see James Hetfield in uh, extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. I'm sure I said each of those words wrong, but he's playing like a police chief or something in that uh, yeah, Zac Efron and Ted Bundy film coming out. I will be seeing that in at Tribeca um, on May 3rd, I think. You're a lucky man. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Tribeca looks like it's stacked with great films. And again, I've said this for the second time before we go into the movies. John has mentioned he's going to Tribeca. If you would like to support John, you can do. Do you have the links to hand or any information on how they can do that? Yeah, uh, you can go to BurkeReviews.com, and right at the top, we have a, a, a article asking uh, for donations to our GoFundMe for our Tribeca trip. Um, you can click that and, and give anything you can, a dollar, uh, $10, a billion dollars. You don't mm-hmm. have to give a billion dollars, but if you, you know, if you if you have a spare billion lying around, you know, why not? You can why buy not? a ticket uh, then, so. Yes, and then I'll, I'll fly Matt out, and it'll be, uh, you know, and... We'll we'll go full time if we get a billion dollars. We'll go full time movie watching. Um, you know, by the we'll end record, of the year, there we yeah, go. We'll we'll record podcasts just for you. Uh, the Daily. person who gives us a billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we will be your personal movie phone. Um, <laughs> yeah, Chuck. We'll be the new Ebert and um, the guy, the other guy who shamelessly I can't think of his name. Roper Cisco, or Cisco, Cisco and Ebert. Yes. So Cisco and Ebert. It's so not Cisco. He was a yeah. uh, Cisco, the Easter song Dragon, and, and the Thong Song. <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, Cisco. <laughs> um, yeah. So chuck a few quid John's way and help help him make the most of his chip over there. Because uh, why wouldn't you? BurkeReviews.com is the place to go for your movie movie news. Um, so movie astrology, nineteen ninety nine. Let's find out whether it was a good year, a bad year, an average year, or a complete write off as we kick off. With this top ten, so we're gonna go through our top ten movies of 1999 based on the worldwide gross. Um, which 1999, this is one of those times where we're gonna have a lot of that information. Uh, everything is still kind of new and relevant. We're gonna jump in with number ten. I've seen most of this list. How about you, Matt? Uh, I've seen all of the films, but some of my memories of a few of them are foggy. At yes, best. I I skipped. Uh, two, I think, on the list. Um, and the one will probably not be a surprise. I However, I did see I know, this I one. I know which one of them is already. Uh, um, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, uh, New Line Cinema, distributed, directed by Jay Roach, stars Mike Myers, Heather Graham, Michael York, Robert Wagner, Seth Green, Elizabeth Hurley, 
33,000 uh yeah, sorry, 33 million dollar <laughs> budget. Uh domestic 206 million. Wow, I didn't know it made that much money. Uh worldwide 312 million. Rotten Tomato score 51% and Metacritic 59. Um I love the Austin Powers movies. It's been a long time since I've watched any of them though, so I don't know if they hold up uh now, but I was um International Man of Mystery, big fan. I, I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, but I own the VHS, and I would like watch that one pretty regularly. Uh, same same thing with the Spy Who Shagged Me. And interesting little bit of trivia: my fir- one of my first DVDs was uh, Goldmember. Nice. So big fan of the the, the series. Um, I even found uh, the what do you want to call it like a, the alternate version of Austin Powers, the Love Guru. <laughs> I found that awful, but yeah. somewhat funny, mm. but awful. Um, but a lot of the, the same types of jokes came into that movie that you would get out of the Austin Powers films. Um, I, I've obviously I'm a fan of Mike Myers, and I, I am surprised to see this is number ten though, like on the list. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, yeah. when I think ninety nine, this is not one of the first movies that I think of. Even though again I like it, I still wouldn't have thought it'd be in the top ten. And there is a, a few omissions from the top ten that I, I guess in my head I thought they did better than they did. Um, obviously, because they're not the financial juggernauts that they needed to be. Um, but I'm a fan of us powers. Uh, now it is interesting. I don't know if I've ever talked to someone from England about their opinion <laughs> of Austin powers and the clear parody of the beloved 007 character. What is your relationship with the Austin powers franchise? I love the Austin powers franchise. I, I will come out now and say that our teeth are fine. We don't all have supercharged mojos as Austin did, but man, I love it. It just kind of encapsulates the fun and the ludicrousness of like, the swinging 60s with the attitudes, the clothes, the colours, the music. It's a real good kind of sp- spoof and a parody of that time and the James Bond films as well. I liked this film. It is what it is. It's, it's Mike Myers taking the James Bond films, sexualising them, Taking the absolute out, Mickey out of them, to for want of a better word, it's full of innuendo, double entendres, and look, two hundred six million bucks. Well, uh, just in the United States alone, says it caught on over there. I wasn't a huge fan of Goldmember. I really liked the first one. I loved this. I liked the second one. Goldmember, I thought was okay, um, but yeah, I mean, just what he did with the films and the casts, he managed to get like Elizabeth Hurley was just became this sort of sex bomb. She already was, but mm-hmm. this film just made it more. Seth Green is great in this. I love Robert Wagner as number two. Of course, Mike yeah. Myers had another role in the film uh, <laughs> as the uh, large Scottish bloke, shall we call him? Um, yes, yes, yes. I in... Introduction of uh, Mini-Me in this one. Yes, and, right, uh, yeah. and Rob Lowe as the young, young number two. Young number two, yeah. And Rob Lowe still looks the same now. Uh, which is, uh, also, Wayne's World 2 re-collaboration as well, but um, yeah, I, oh, yes. I like this film. Like I say, Mini, Mini-Me is in. It's not just Dr. Evil, Dr. Evil. It's Mini-Me. Um, but no, I, I love this. I love the send-up of James Bond. What Felicity Shagwell is the name of the female... Heather Graham. Uh, that's right. You can imagine that being in one of those kind of 70s Bond films, Felicity Shagwell. So um, I love it as a send-up. Oh, yeah. I love it as a send-up of Britain at the time. And... I really enjoy these films, especially the first two. I won't uh, say Goldmember is like my favorite, but I do think there's a lot of funny bits in Goldmember. Like the um, 
uh, can I offer you a smoke and a pancake? Bong and a blitz, like that whole that whole little scenario, <laughs> and then uh, Goldmember eating his own uh, like skin peelings. <laughs> oh, so weird, and so uh, it's just it's just weird. And there, there's some stupid jokes in that one, and of course you have uh, Michael Caine as his father in the third <laughs> yeah. movie. It, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a British film with a spy element without Michael Caine in at some point. Mm-hmm. Even Kingsman couldn't ha- couldn't couldn't resist it. So later and on, even they put him in a, a Mini Cooper, uh, <laughs> yes. which has got to be a, a Italian, you know, job. A Italian job reference. So you know, little <laughs> things like that are, are really nice in the third movie. As a, it's not it's not as good, but it is the third in a comedy trilogy. And I don't know that there's many thirds in comedy trilogies. I don't even know if there's that many comedy trilogies that would you know what I'm saying like it it, it it's fine. It's serviceable. There's a lot more cameos in the third film, if I'm not mistaken. I think there, that's there when there's a lot. Yeah, everyone just shows up because they're making an Austin Powers movie in the Austin Powers movie. So like you have Tom Cruise and Danny DeVito as Mini Me and things like that. Um, so yeah, it's 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 got humor, but it's yeah, it's stupid overall, but it's still enjoyable. Yeah, it's, um, it's fun. a lot of it is rehashing the same jokes, but yeah. I mean, hypothetical question now, put you on a spot. Wayne's World would it would do you think a third film would be good? Bill and Ted's got a third film coming out. Is that going to be any good? We're talking about comedy trilogies. I know that is slightly unfair because that's interesting. These are decades since um, apart from Less their sequels, later, yeah. but comedy trilogies could they work? I mean, one of them has Mike Myers in it. I think Bill and Ted's makes a lot of sense to have the the big gap between the films because the whole premise was that they were going to save the world with their music, and the first the two time, films. Yeah. Yeah, the first two films don't really we don't see them being able to be that that duo. Wild stallions. So yeah, seeing this come up years later now, it's kind of interesting to see they must be close to failing at this. And so like that's my guess is going to be the premise, especially the name of the movie Face the Music, like that they they're they're not living up to their potential and the future is in jeopardy. They haven't written that song. Yeah, and so I, that's what I'm anticipating. Where Wayne's World, I don't know what I mean, other than them being parents or, uh, you know, and God knows Tia Carrera could use the work, but yeah, um, a shame. and probably Danny Carvey too. I don't know what he's done a whole lot. And Mike Myers is making cameos in Bohemian Rhapsody. So he's not exactly, you know, lighting up the stage either, but, um, I don't, I don't feel like Wayne's world would make sense now. Like, yeah. Um, so I don't know if that would even flow. Like if people would, I guess they would be YouTubers if they rebooted it though. Right. Like Wayne's World would be like a, a YouTube channel. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be public access anymore. It'd be YouTube. But I think the problem I'd find with Wayne's World three, it visually, I think it would look bad. Just the idea yeah. of, I mean, literally Mike Myers and Dana Carvey with, um, with the, with the, with the wigs on looking old because you know, people, people, people age funny breaking news, but I don't think yeah, it, yeah. it would be too jarring, I think. Whereas Bill and Ted, I mean, Keanu Reeves doesn't really age all that much. And Alex Winter still looks fairly similar. It's a bit bulkier. I can buy them as an older Bill and Ted. I'm not yeah. sure I could buy uh, Myers and Carvey. And I mean, Dana Carvey, he's doing a lot of voice work recently in animation. So he hasn't really been, he's ah. not on screen. But the yep. Oscar, but their Oscar parody was for the 20 seconds was a lot of fantasy. And it made me very happy to see it. Me too. Me too. And there, I I could come up with a few ideas, but honestly, they kind of wrecked it. Because to me, Wayne's World three, if it were coming out like it is, like twenty something years later, would need to be them um, tired of the way the music scene is right now, mm-hmm. wanting to do like a throwback concert and doing Wayne Stock. But they've done. But it. they've already done Wayne Stock. Yeah. So like, it, it wouldn't. They could do. We got to bring it back, kind of story. But that would just feel sad 
you know. I can't see so, any way that they could do it, other than like you say that I don't know. This is, now I'm gonna like think about this, and maybe who knows? Maybe I'll write the I was script. I going to say and, we can uh, mock up a screenplay and <laughs> bring back Tia Carrera, get Makita's donuts back again. I always love to look at those. Um, oh but, yeah. I wouldn't put anything past Hollywood anymore. But anyway, yeah, the Austin Powers of Spy who me. Fair to say we both thought it was a decent film. Yep, number 10, though, is still surprising, especially when we talk about some of the other movies from this year that Austin Powers is in the top 10. is a little shocking to yeah, me. I think if we added the notable release, if it was our top 10, it would look certainly look a lot different. Number nine, yes. though, would still be in my top 10. Number nine is American Beauty, distributed by DreamWorks Pictures, directed by Sam Mendes. And it stars Voldemort, uh, Kevin Spacey, Mina Suvari, Annette Benning, Thora Birch, Alison Janey, Peter Gallagher, Wes Bentley, and Chris Cooper. Budget of 15 million bucks. It made in the United States $130 million. Wow. $356 million overall worldwide. That's crazy. It holds 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and 86% on Metacritic. And um, I've got to say, I, I really like American Beauty. I really, really like it. Um, it to me, it's a, it's a layered film. There's so much to take them in. I'm still, it's been years since I first saw it, and I'm still trying to work out what the actual underlying subtext of it is. There's so much going on. You've got the sexual desire slash repression, the middle class mundanity of life, beauty, redemption. I still don't know which one Sam Mendes or Alan Ball, who wrote the film, was going for, and I'm not sure what they do. Cast is brilliant, he, he, especially Kevin Spacey, who is fabulous. I know Voldemort himself as Lester Burnham. We we feel for this guy, even that at times what he does kind of has negative effects on everybody around him. And I, it has the iconic imagery with the roses as a poster that's instantly recognisable. And like I say, Alan Ball's mm-hmm. script is awesome. It's it's satirical. The ending for me falls short. Just it kind of doesn't feel quite right within the context of the film but as a film I thought American Beauty was brilliant I think Sam Mendes has come out in recent years and said that it was over hyped over praised when it came out but and I think it's a really good film and Annette Benning is as good as ever Mene Suvari is good as well it, I, I could say overall it's just a great performance from a great cast and I really like it am I on my lonesome or are you a fan as well um, I don't want to call myself a fan. I don't dislike it, but I, I've only seen it once, mm-hmm. and it was back like when it first came out on VHS. Um, so 2000, sure, probably. Sure, you VHS. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the second time I've referenced VHS <laughs> today because I said I owned Austin Powers mm-hmm. on VHS. Um, but uh, I did see it. Um, I'm pretty sure I rented it from Blockbuster with, with my, my parents. Um, and I, I remember it, and I don't remember it. Like, obviously, the iconic scenes are, like, even if I didn't see this movie, I would know those because they've been, you know, highlights on Oscar reels, and they've been uh, parodied. Family Guy's done at least <laughs> yeah. two or three of them. Even the bag floating around the uh, majestic yes. plastic bag. Um, it's a movie I've actually wanted to revisit since I've taken film criticism as a as a passion uh, over the last three or four years, um, and I haven't gotten to it. And then the Kevin Spacey thing happened, and now I don't want to get to it, so like it might just be one that I I let uh, blow away in the wind like a plastic bag. I see what you did there. I, I definitely I remember thinking it was pretty good when I was I was kind of creeped out though because I was you know just turning eighteen when this came out, and this old man is like 
trying to hit on a girl that's like supposed to be my age or in my age range. And it was like, ah, uh, which is obviously you're supposed to be creeped out by that. Um, and then of course, again, the truth about Kevin Spacey wouldn't have been a girl, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, you know, hitting on younger people is apparently something he was actually into, which recontextualizes this film in a very dark way. True though. True. So, you know, allegedly, um, allegedly yeah. but sounds like, less legend and more like ah, <laughs> exactly. I, he got caught but definitely not in it no no criticism negatively on the film for that of course that's that's I, I assume the filmmakers did not know of that dark secret and you can't take away kevin spacey has been a talented actor for a long time um and it is a it is horrible that he is a horrible person um who's given us so many great performances uh going you know to um la confidential uh, usual suspects, suspects um seven like huge movies that i love and of course i was a big fan of house of cards for the yeah. first two or three seasons yeah. um so you know uh, american beauty one that uh, maybe one day i'll feel comfortable rewatching. um i've not seen it since back in like 2000 but i liked it then so and obviously so did everybody else because i cannot believe that turnaround for profit man 15 million budget and then 356 worldwide that's crazy yeah and we mentioned other films uh, we mentioned Spyro Shagme with the money it took, blah blah. But fifteen million dollar budget was such a huge return. This is an it's, it's an example of a smaller film per se, if you will. You know, yeah. overcoming the odds based on overwhelming word of mouth and taking its place. And I think it deserves its place. Certainly deserves its place as one of the best films of nineteen ninety nine. Especially when you see what's I mean, some of the films in the top ten uh, compared to this. Yeah. For me, all film is subjective, but um. I thought American Beauty was great, and it deserves its place in the top table for me. All right, yeah, I'm I'm with you. That's number nine. Um, we'll probably be talking about that one again a little later, I think. Uh, number eight, though, is uh the James Bond movie coming back to the astrology list. It's yeah. been a pretty consistent aspect of our show. We keep having Bond films because they keep making them. Um, this one, uh, I've not seen. Um, I this is one of the only movies on the list I've not seen. I, I'm not a big Bond fan. I like the Daniel Craig Bonds, and that's kind of the only ones I've really sat all the way through. I can't, is this the the bad of the Pierce Brosnan ones? Uh, it, uh, yeah, I was. Oh, it, um, yeah, it's one of it's one of if not the worst the, because we also had Die Another Day and stuff like that. So, all right, well, we have the world is not enough. Uh, distributed by MGM, directed by Michael Apted, stars Pierce Brosnan, Sophia Marceau. Robert Carlyle, who I am a fan of. I'm kind of surprised he's in this. Oh, this is the one with Christmas. Okay. Yep. Uh, Denise Richards, Robbie Coltrane, and uh, the Dame Judi Dench. Uh, $125 million budget. Only made $126 million uh, domestic. That's kind of brutal. And uh, then worldwide gross, $361 million. Look at that monstrous budget, man. Holy cow. Uh, 51% Rotten Tomatoes and 59 Metascore. Yeah, I didn't see this. Um... I do know the joke about Christmas only coming once a year um, at the end of the movie, which is the basically this movie coming out the same year as Austin Powers 2 only probably helps emphasize how much Austin Powers is crushing the parody of Bond. Cause yeah, only made 50 million bucks more as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but somehow is uh, down a little bit. But I, again, not a big fan of the Bond films, but you've seen more of them and it sounds like you've seen this one. So... Tell us about it. Bloody awful. <laughs> That's basically what I can say. It is. There it is. It, yeah. 
thank God for Daniel Craig and the rest of the team there who decided to just give us Casino Royale and I still hold hold dear that Daniel Craig as Bond still has a 50% strike rate. Too good, too yep. not good. And obviously hoping this one, which probably comes out next year, is going to be top it off and be very good. But this one is it's just awful. It's just... It's ranked as it's always ranked as one of the worst Bond films. It's just naff. It's lame. They've got awful characters in a franchise known for awful characters. Denise Richards is a scientist. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, Denise Richards is a psychic of Christmas Jones. And again, insert the innuendo anywhere you want. We've already had the worst one. JP's already said it, and it's yeah. They they name these characters just for these crappy innuendos. And Robert Carlyle was Renard. He's the baddie, and he's a decent enough Bond villain. But when the film around you is so bad, Robert Carlyle is forgotten. He's not a Bond villain I look back on and think of as he was great because I'm just tarnished by the film. I think this was the 19th film, but James Mm. Bond basically uncovers a plot to increase fuel prices. It's just essentially the story. And (laughs) who the hell wants to see that? It's something about a nuclear meltdown because there's always got to be something nuclear with James Bond. But it's yes, uh, there's nothing. I really nothing would really say about this film. I I liked Pierce Brosnan to start with uh, as Goldeneye. I think Pierce Brosnan imbues a certain certain one aspect of um, sure. James Bond, and it's not his fault he gets given the crappy scripts. And he also even true. came out and said, you know, he was baffled by the film because he just it went to so many stupid decisions and stupid places and the plot was ridiculous and the script was bad. That even he was just like, I'm not quite sure what's going on. And he said that about subsequent films as well. But when you're tied into a multi-film contract, you've just kind of got to go along with it. Didn't make an awful yeah. lot of money against budget. 125 million budget, 361 worldwide. Uh, I'd be surprised if it made a particular profit at all off that. But um, yeah, world is not enough. I excuse a bad joke, but I've had enough of talking about that film. Yeah. Would you like to add anything more to that? I did for a second, but I think I've lost whatever joke I was going to make <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's gone. Oh well, it's probably not worth the uh, the effort. So uh, <laughs> let's go to number. If seven at any that. time you remember it, just throw it. Don't even stop me when I'm talking. Just shout it out. It'll be, okay, we all want to hear it. I'll, number seven is one that. which is probably more akin to John's tastes compared to something like The World Is Not Enough. And it's Notting Hill, uh, distributed by Universal Pictures again, directed by Stephen Summers, uh, no, it doesn't, uh, directed by Roger Mitchell, sorry, getting ahead of myself there. Uh, stars Julia Roberts, Hugh Grant, Hugh Bonneville, Emma Chambers, James Dreyfus, Reef Iphons, Tim McInerney, uh, and Gina McKee. $42 million budget. I imagine most of that was Julia Roberts' salary. Uh, domestic gross, Probably. 116 million worldwide, 364 million dollars. 83% Rotten Tomatoes, 66% on Metacritic, and it's Julia Roberts surrounded by a wonderfully talented British cast, and it's a heck of a coup getting her in the film as well. Because you know this is 99, Julia Roberts' star is still very high. I mean, it still is now, but mm-hmm. it's a big old uh, thing getting her in, which is what is essentially a very British film. It is pure rom-com in every sense of the word. You get romance, the flings, the close-knit group of buddies, the highs, the lows, the breakups, to get back together, the mad all-day-won't-day ending, a cross-city chase. It's rom-com 101, but it does it so well. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's endearing. The characters are great. Hugh Grant was born for the role of Will Thacker. 
Uh, Hugh Grant's been melting hearts ever since. Um, mm-hmm. I liked Notting Hill um, quite a lot. I like the soundtrack as well. I know it gets a lot of flack from certain people, but um, rom-com, let's, let's hand over to the rom-com king, John, for what you thought. Because <laughs> I'm actually very interested in whether you like this film or not. I do like this film. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, I actually just repurchased Well, not repurchased. I just purchased it um, and added it to my collection. I found it at my local thrift store that has DVDs for a dollar. Nice. Um, so I did not hesitate to buy it. I, I'm planning on rewatching it. Uh, this We did a episode of Top 5 Movies uh, this month um, for rom-coms because of Isn't It Romantic's release. Um, I guess that was last month. Sorry. So we did it last month. And um, this was on Mike's list uh, for his Top 5. And it made me want to rewatch it. But um, I, I am a sucker for Hugh Grant, to be honest, <laughs> um, especially in his rom-coms. I find him to be unbelievably charming. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw um, uh, Music and Lyrics with Drew Barrymore in him. No, I but, think you told me to watch that and I still haven't. Man, that one just clicked for me. But again, I, I am partial to movies about musicians. Um, it's made me like definitely – I think when I saw Notting Hill – it would have been one of those things where I enjoyed it but didn't want to admit that I enjoyed it because I was like 18, you know, going to college. <laughs> Can't like a chick flick, quote unquote chick flick. I don't say that anymore, people. But back in 1999, most guys like me were saying things like that because that's the the culture that we were brought up in. In fact, there's a movie that reflects that tos- toxic masculinity of the time um, in this list that we'll, we'll get to. Yes. But uh, I've grown. I've matured. And so this is, this is a film I definitely now know – that I it's so up my alley. I am such a sucker for rom coms, and, and apparently romances in general because they are getting to me more and more as I get older. But I I love Julia Roberts too. I mean I I was so I, I was a fan of Julia Roberts growing up, and I still am. In fact, I had kind of forgotten how much of a fan I was of hers until Wonder came out. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, she's amazing. Like when she is in a, a good movie, she is fantastic. She's done some bad movies for sure. You're not going to be in the best movies every year, you know. Some, sometimes people the trying to looks take the better role. on the page, and it does in its finished form. Yeah, and sometimes it's the editor or the director yeah. who makes decisions in post. It's like you give these amazing choices. You're uh, you'd make amazing choices as the actor, but they use a, a cut that doesn't work, or they use they cut that scene out completely. I mean, there's so many factors that can go into a movie not working. Um, it's hard to tell if it's the actor's decision making or whatnot, but. Julia Roberts, terrific. Hugh Grant, generally great. Um, I mean, if you saw Paddington 2 last year, you have a taste of how awesome Hugh Grant can be. Um, so, yeah, definitely a, a rom-com for the ages from 1999. Yeah, you get floppy-haired Hugh Grant, and uh, he's a he's a poster boy yeah. for all us English wannabes who, who wish to have that charm of Hugh Grant, the, the and- effortless charm of Hugh Grant. Proof to your point about the teeth, too, because he has a smile on him, uh, unlike Austin Powers. <laughs> there you go, so yeah, Mr. Bean does as well. So Mr. Bean and Hugh Grant yes. have got great teeth and smiles. Um, That's a really important point that I've never thought about with Mr. Bean. You. Like He does have an amazing smile, yeah. so thank you, Rowan Atkinson. I love Rowan Atkinson, and I'll, uh, I, I hate this phrase, but I stan that man. <laughs> I love Rowan Atkinson. Um, but his batting mate, Tim McInerney, was in this film. He's part of the group of buddies, uh, Will's ah. buddies. Uh, which includes Will Reciphons, the mad Welsh dude, um, who was excellent in this film as well. Um, but yeah, I I liked Notting Hill. It's a great film to just sit down and watch and enjoy. And if you haven't seen it, yes. go watch it. I, I'm planning on rewatching it in the near future because I again I just added it to my DVD collection. 
that said, let's look at number six. And I, I'm going to take issue with a part of the stats I'm going to say, but let's let's get into it. Uh, number six is The Mummy. Uh, Universal Pictures, uh, Stephen Summers directed, um, Brandon Fraser. Uh, I always say his last name wrong because it's not Fraser. <laughs> it's like Fraser or something. But uh, Rachel Weiss, John Hanna, Arnold Vaslow, I think Vaslow, Jonathan Hyde, Kevin J. O'Connor, um, $80 million budget, uh, domestic gross $155 million, worldwide $415.9 million. 58% RT and 48 Metascore. What the hell is wrong with people in 1999? This movie not only holds up, but is fantastic. Wow. Um, I, I love The Mummy. Um, I am a big, big fan of this film. One, if you know this about me, and you do, I'm a huge Rachel Weisz yeah. fan. I didn't even know this was Rachel Weisz for years. And <laughs> looking back, I'm like, oh, no wonder and this movie's so great. great. Yes, yes, she does. She's she's just great. I, I've yet to find a, any role, even in her bad movies, where I think she's not great. But Brandon Brandon Fraser is perfect in this role. And I actually, by sheer coincidence, watched a YouTube video of a guy arguing why this movie is so great. And I completely agreed with most of what he said. I don't even remember. It was like random happened to pop up on my YouTube like suggestion, and I was just throwing something on to have in the background, and ended up really like agreeing with a lot of what he said. And I, I've been a fan of this film. Um, I like the first and the second one, even though the second one has some really crappy stuff in it. <laughs> There's still stuff in the second one that I like, but it's mainly Brandon Fraser and Rachel Weisz that I love. Um, I, I like Emotep, uh, the, like the whole premise of him. I find this movie fun, hilarious, and also scary at times. Like it really, when the mummy is like being the mummy, it's especially when you compare it to the recent Tom Cruise mm. reboot mummy, this film is fantastic. And, Man, it just does so much right, and I can't believe it has a 48. Like, look at, like, it's a fun, really solid film. And Brendan Fraser, I, I hate that his career kind of plummets um, not long after this. He does, like, Monkey Bone, and then he has, uh, what is it, Bedeviled or Bedazzled, Bedazzled. with uh, Elizabeth Hurley. Um, and it, it plummets, and then he did Inkheart to try to, like, get in the fantasy train, and that movie flopped and didn't, you know, they were hoping for that book franchise that did not go. And uh, I've heard, you know, he's popped up in a couple of things recently, if I'm not I think mistaken. He's coming back on TV a lot more. Now. Well, I say a lot more, more so now, yeah. And I, you know, I'm a fan of his going back to Encino Man. I think I may have, I don't know which, I've talked about Encino Man on one of the podcasts. I am a fan of that film. And, like, that was where I first saw him. And, you know, uh, the, the Mummy, I think, is probably one of his best roles. And I like seeing it on the top 10. Um, I wonder, Matt, are you a fan of The Mummy? Because I just gushed. Um,. Um, I think my tagline for it would be, it's a lot of cheesy good fun without ever really being very good. It's how I'd say it. I don't, I oh, like yeah. the film, but not from a film perspective. I like the fact that I can, I, I remember watching this in 1999. I like the fact that I can just watch it and enjoy it without going too far into it. That you know, I'm not going to go in and study this film and pick it apart because it's a fun family film. Um, and it's cheesy, but it, that's just what it is. That's just what it's made to be. I, um, yeah, I, I do enjoy this film. Whether or not it's one of my top ten of the year, maybe, maybe not, but I enjoyed the film. Jerry Goldsmith's score, by the way, is very decent, if I remember in this film. But I love the fact that Brendan Fraser got cast because of the success of George of the Jungle when the uh, studio was circling around Tom Cruise, Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon. Um, and But no, rock on, Brendan. He got the role, and he's kind of comedic talents worked in this film as well 
He's kind of got that, I can't think of Errol Flynn type role in this film. I like, I think it's good. I, he, he he fits the role. Rachel Weisz is very good in this film and the two of them together work very well. Um, Imhotep's yeah, good as well. This is a heck of a lot better than that Tom Cruise remake where eventually, as I mentioned in Tom Cruise, eventually got cast in The Mummy. This is actually, this feels more like a film that deserves the title of The Mummy, whereas the Tom Cruise remake was a mess. So yeah, it, it, the, but no, The Mummy, it, it's, I enjoyed it when it came out, 1999 me enjoyed it, and 2019 me still enjoys it, but on a different level now, if I look too far into it, it falls apart, but I enjoy the movie for what it's well, meant to be. While you were speaking, I, I decided to pull up my YouTube history. Um, the video I watched, uh, I think two days ago, is called Remember Why the Mummy is a Masterpiece. And the YouTuber is Ryan Hollinger, H-O-L-L-I-N-G-E-R, to give him a shout out. I think both uh, the listeners and Matt uh, should check this video out because maybe it'll change your perspective a little or at least point out some of the other elements of the film that um, I think make it, uh, you know, more than what you're saying, more than just a a fun family film. I do think there is some viable film uh, elements in this movie that can be studied. Um, and I, I do think, especially if you were to compare it to like the classic mummy movie, mm-hmm. um, I think there's, there's a lot here that pays tribute where the new one, it looks like it just shats all over the, uh, the memory of the original mummy, um, and the original universal horror films where I feel like the 99 and the sequel, uh, pay kind of homage to that, that universal horror film, um, much better at least than what the dark universe well, Tom tried Cruise to version do. was essentially an action film. With a mummy, it was nothing. It was nothing horror about yeah. it, apart from the film itself. But okay, I will well, give that except a watch. for Jake Johnson's character. I hated Jake um, Johnson's character and Russell Crowe's Cockney yeah. accent. Oh, oh man, Tim is a doctor. Doctor Jekyll and Mister yeah, Hyde. Just... Uh, spoiler for the crappy mummy that you shouldn't watch. If you haven't watched oh. it, don't watch it. It's rubbish. Um, Sophia Boutella's wait, even she's wasted in the film. But I will go and watch that film, uh, Ryan Hollander's video. I will watch it. Um, if not tonight, then tomorrow, because I'm always up for other perspectives, which may be touched upon things, or even just point things out which I'd never seen before. Give me a new perspective. So I hope so. So I'll check that out. All right. Uh, well, I love it, Matt. Matt's you know okay I'm with it. But what's about it? I'm... What's number five? We're halfway through the number list. five is uh. The film with surprisingly the highest budget of the top ten, considering what else is in this list, is Tarzan. Distributed by uh, Buena Vista Pictures, directed by Kevin Lima and Chris Buck. Uh, starring, I use that as voice actors, Tony Goldwyn, Mini Driver, Glenn Close, Alex D. Lynn, Rosie O'Donnell, Brian Blessed, Nigel Hawthorne, Lance Henriksen, Wayne Knight, Dennis Nedry himself, and Taylor Dempsey. Budget of 130 million bucks. Made 171 million in, uh, domestically and 448 million worldwide. It is high on the list. 88% Rotten Tomatoes, 79 on Metacritic. Um, Tarzan. How many Tarzan films have there been, and how many have actually been oh, excellent? Man. This version's pretty good. The animation, I think, is better than the film itself. But it's okay. It's Tarzan. It's the same story we usually get in this character, but that box office is impressive. It's a big box office. Very able cast as well, voice casting. Um, I'm glad to see Brian Blessed in there as well, but nearly $450 million. But when you stack it up against that $130 million budget, 
But yeah, I think the animation in this, like I mentioned, was very good. It really, for me, it was a real step up for Disney animation at the time because we compare it to the animated films of old, and I don't mean Pixar, I mean actually full on Disney, like Buena Vista. And it's also got one of Disney's more memorable songs, the Phil Collins one, uh, You'll Be uh-huh. In My Heart, I want to say. But Tarzan spawned a few more sequels, one as a director DVD one. But I, uh, I thought Tarzan was okay, nothing more than that. But again, were you a, are you going to poo poo that? Or are you... Well, kind of. Um, remember earlier when Notting Hill, I mentioned like I used to kind of brush off rom coms as like chick flicks mm-hmm. in '99. Well, '99, I'm 18 and I'm way too cool for cartoons. <laughs> uh, so I've never seen this movie um, in its entirety. Uh, my daughter, when she was young, uh, my my mother in law loves Disney, so like had all the VHSs of like all the Disney. Even though when my daughter was born, we we're into DVDs, but my my mother in law had all the VHSs. So I've real. seen it on. I've never sat and watched Tarzan, and frankly, I've never been a fan of the the character mm-hmm. uh, Tarzan. Like I've never been compelled by the man raised by apes who's ape like himself. George of the Jungle and George of the Jungle. Uh, also, not a big fan of that uh, either. I kind of I always looked at George of the Jungle as a property that was a knockoff Tarzan, thus had no interest in it. Um, I don't think I've ever watched any full Tarzan anything. Like I'm familiar with the premise, and that's enough for me. Um, I, I didn't see the Alexander Skarsgård one from a few years ago either. Uh, I've just I just don't have an interest in it, and um, I missed several of the Disney cartoons from this era. Uh, I did go back and watch Hercules because I have a Greek mythology kind of obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did catch that one, but I've, I've never seen Mulan. Uh, I've never seen Pocahontas all the way through. I've never seen Hunchback of Notre Dame um, because they came out at a time when I had no interest in seeing cartoons. And uh, I haven't gone back to them. And my daughter gives me a lot of crap for Mulan and Pocahontas because she loves those. <laughs> um, and I've just never gone to them. And uh, I will most likely watch Mulan – before the live action one is released. Uh, so I at least have some basis of comparison. But yeah, uh, Tarzan, I've got nothing. Um, I do like Mini Driver and Glenn Close. So I didn't know they were in it. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> that goes in the movie's favor. Tarzan, this yeah. is a respectable film. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just Tarzan. And I may catch some flack, but Tarzan to me is just like Power Rangers. You can keep trying, but you're never going to make it. You know, I liked the latest Power Rangers film. It's never going to be a franchise. It's never going to spawn a successful saga of films. Tarzan is to me is the same. It's just never going to take off into this, you know, it's, franchise. It's, it's just it. It's the same as King Arthur and Robin Hood yes, as well. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, it's a it's a property that anyone can do, and so everyone does. And it's just like, who wants it though? Who wants a new Tarzan movie? Who wants another Robin Hood film? Um, or uh, King Arthur, even again, the the most recent, the um, kid who would be king, really good in my it opinion. Bombed, didn't it? It did. I've it's almost forgotten. Yeah. It's only two months old. I mean, like I haven't heard anything about it since it came out. If you put Zac Efron as Tarzan, and not my god, I'd pay to see that. But if you put, I mean, it's still not going to make bank because it's a Tarzan film. I mean, you yeah, had Zac Efron and the Rock I mean, in had, Baywatch. Well, you had Skarsgård, Sam Jackson, and I forget. Was it Margot Robbie? And and look, that movie did nothing. Like it's people probably forgot that even came out. Yeah, Yeah, uh, you know, and that Skarsgård is a respected actor. He's not a big name, but people, you know, he's good. He's good in a lot of indie stuff, especially. But um, and I love Sam Jackson, but I didn't even bother to make it to the theater. Like, and I had Movie Pass that year, 
So I could have literally gone for nothing, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm good. You're right. It was um, it was Margot Robbie, Christoph Waltz, um, yeah, Jim Arvinso, yeah. Jim Broadbent. Wow, and again, you mentioned Alexander Skarsgård, Sam Jackson, and Marco Robbie. That's star power yeah. there, and yeah, the film was ass. Yep, nobody remembers it. No one cares uh, because of the character. Who cares? Yeah, we've seen it. It's done. Let it let it fade. You know, come on, guys. Um, Give it two years, and there'll be another one. And again, honestly, if I want a version of a boy being raised in the jungle, Jungle Book is my go-to. And even then, that they did the Mowgli, and I think we we're on slightly different. Um, wavelengths, yep. but even that I don't think was particularly very good because it's a story we've seen essentially before. Yeah, yeah, I was I was definitely referring to the Disney cartoon. Definitely, yeah. Like if I'm going to pick Tarzan or or J- Jungle Book, I'm watching Jungle Book yeah, all day long. Um, yeah, so that's it. Especially because I don't know how good the songs are in Tarzan, like the actual movie itself. But Jungle Book, the animated cartoon, has some of my favorite Disney songs. Um, so you know, go into that one all day. Uh, let's go to number four because I'm done with Tarzan. Yeah, top four looks uh, a bit more solid for the most part. Number four, dude, uh, is is one of my all-time favorite films. I don't know where it falls in my top 50 anymore. It's definitely dropped. But this movie was one of the first films that blew my mind. Um, it opened my world to the idea of philosophy in a way that I had not looked at before. Um, and my God, did it make me reevaluate my opinion of Keanu Reeves as an actor who I kind of had only thought of as this, you know, not an action star in my eyes at that time. He was, you know, he did more comedies in my eyes because I, you know, that's what I, I associated Bill and Ted. So The Matrix, uh, distributed by Warner Brothers, directed by, at the time, the Wachowski brothers, now the Wachowski sisters, um, Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, Joe Pant- Pantoliano, whose name I always butcher, even though I've said it, uh, I can't even say how many times. $63 million budget, which is crazy to me to think that's all the budget was for this movie, um, because it revolutionizes film in so many ways. Uh, $171 million domestic, $463 million worldwide. Um, this movie owes uh, word of mouth so much mm-hmm. because the marketing was almost non-existent here. It, from what I remember, I went because one of my best friends at the time and still a good friend of mine went and saw this and was like dude i'm taking you to see this movie we have to see this movie <laughs> and i'm like what is it and i kind of was like keanu reeves whatever and then walked out just like oh my god this movie it's 88 rotten tomato 73 metascore i mean the slow motion bullet time effects that they that have been mimicked and parodied and copied since this film uh, just show how uh, you know revolutionary it truly is. This film has been parodied countless, countless times. You know, scenes from it have been like it's in Shrek, the slow motion fight scene when she fights the men, in, the Robin Hood and the Merry Men. Um, when is is Trinity's fight scene? Like she literally does the freeze and the camera rotation. I mean, this movie is not only is it like brilliant as a film itself, as what it does to the film industry, but we get an iconic character in Neo. You get a really awesome character in Trinity, even though um, in in hindsight she is doing everything she does for love for him. And that is not what we want from our strong female characters. But still, she is um, a badass on her own uh, early, early on in the film. Um, It made me love Lawrence Fishburne and Morpheus is one of my favorite characters. Uh, Hugo Weaving and I can never say anyone's name, Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Yeah, like you can't not do that because it's such an iconic film for me. Um, 
I love seeing that it was on the top top ten. I had no idea that it actually because to me this is a cult film because no one was talking about this. Then my friend group became obsessed with the Matrix, um, and I knew it spawned tons of merchandise and multiple video games and uh, anim- the Animatrix movies. Um, I I sucked all of that in. I I was obsessed with this film, and um, I I still love this movie. Um, I actually just showed my daughter for the first time. I think last year uh, she finally last summer. Yeah, she watched The Matrix for the first time. Um, we went to uh, my editor's house to watch it because he has a gigantic TV, and um, he had just bought the 4K Blu-ray nice. for uh, The Matrix. Um, and uh, we he was one of my friends, 1999, that was obsessed with The Matrix as well. And so uh, it was like a cool moment for us to show my daughter The Matrix, and we, you know we're both kind of watching her, watching it, making sure you're like you're paying attention, right? You're watching, and uh, she, uh, she loved it um, as much as we do, and I still. Uh, as much as I have issues with the sequels, um, I can't. I don't deny them. Like I deny some other sequels. We'll talk about in a moment. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I this movie though, I really do wish it had ended here uh, because I think it ends perfectly. I don't think it needed the sequels. I when you look at the how much money it made, it's very clear why they're sequels. But um, this movie did so much for me. It opened my eyes again to uh, what film can do. Um, I felt like. That even though it wasn't really an indie film, because it's it's released by Warner Brothers, so it's in no way an indie film. It felt like an indie film because no one else was talking about it when I saw it, and so I felt like that was like one of the first times that I was like evangelizing for a movie where I'm just like, you have to go see this movie. Have you seen this? Have you seen The Matrix? Let me tell you about The Matrix here and listen <laughs> to this pamphlet. Um, you know, and uh, this I said this year kind of changes my eyes as a film viewer. And this was one of those movies um, I didn't know about. I mean, I knew so little about this. Uh, and when I went in, I, my mind was blown uh, by this movie for so many different reasons. And uh, I will always have a special place in my heart for it. I hate this film. That would be so funny. <laughs> That's your counter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I don't believe I, that. I'm though. kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> he knows too well now. Um, is uh, Before I go into what I think about it, is this one of the best sci-fi films of all time? Oh, it's totally a sci-fi film. I 100% agree with you. And I I think yes. Um, If it's not in the top five, I would have a hard time placing... Like, I know everyone's default is Blade Runner. I think this uh, steps all over Blade Runner. Sorry, anyone who's listening, but look past the I think Blade Runner does... Yeah, I, I think Blade Runner does a lot for the genre in 1982. But I don't think it's, like... On levels of comparison of storytelling and also, like... Blade Runner ups the game cinematically for sure, but so does The Matrix, and I think, um, I think The Matrix wins, man. I, I do. I, I would put The Matrix over Blade Runner. Um, I'd have to really think of my like top five. Honestly, I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine is above Blade Runner two, but that might be an unpopular opinion. No, I'm um, with you on that one. But, but I definitely think this is in top five sci fi of all time. Like it's, it's outstanding. It, it. I mean, God, some of the visuals, man. The, the freaking fields of batteries. You know, which I, if you haven't seen it, I won't tell you what that means. But holy cow, how how horrifying a visual that is! You know, visually the whole film is is awesome. I mean, on the Blade Runner point, Blade Runner is a decent film. Nothing, I've no issue with the film for the most part. It's okay, but don't be blinded by the hype. And also, um, Neil doesn't do anything questionable with women, unlike uh, Rick Deckard in Blade Runner. But nope. yeah, visually. Nope. This film is incredible. Bullet time is wonderful. And am I right in saying 
I'm sure I read somewhere that corn, the corn uh, freak on a leash video was actually like a test, like a guinea pig for the bullet time oh. um, effect. I'm sure I read it somewhere that because that video itself is awesome video. Yeah, I'm sure one of the coolest music videos. I'm sure they tested bullet time on that. Um, I'm, Interesting. If I'm going to check out if anyone, anyone listening can validate that. Or tell me I'm talking a load of old rubbish. Let me know. But I swear I read something about that you know, decades ago. Um, but yeah, visuals aside, the story, the film itself is decent. It's a great balance of action and just like mental subtexts of where do you start? Postmodernism, existentialism, nihilism, and go on. Um, it's mm-hmm. deep, it's dark, it's bonkers, but it's actually really, really good. The second film is decent. I fully agree with John here that The Matrix coulda, shoulda stopped with this first film. The second film's decent. The third one is that third one is plop. I didn't like the third one particularly that much. I think it really it, that went full I, visual rather than that went spectacular yeah. of a story. Whereas The Matrix has got a great balance. Morpheus is an awesome character. Everybody knows the red pill, red pill, blue pill um, mm-hmm. scene. Um, I'm, again, interesting. That I've mentioned it for a few other films, but Will Smith turned down the role of Neo for Wild Wild West, and thank God for that. Nick Cage, Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer, and Johnny Depp were considered. It actually came down to Johnny Depp and Keanu Reeves, but they chose uh, Ted Theodore wow. Logan. And in hindsight, Keanu Reeves was made for this role. I'm sure Johnny Depp he would is. have been interesting, but but Keanu Reeves is made for this role. But I think it's one of the best sci-fi films of all time. It is layered. It is entertaining. It's it's one of those rare films which, as I've said again, it manages to merge deep, deeper subtext, deeper meanings, whilst also being a a film which is just a decent action sci-fi film to watch. It without ever swaying too much to one side or the other. It was revolutionary visually in a year where other films came out, which also took digital effects to another level. Um, yeah, The Matrix is an excellent film, and just talking about it now makes me want to go and rewatch it. And Hugo Hugo Weaving is, I love Hugo Weaving, man. And I mean, it's opened up a lot of doors uh. for him, and also Carrie Ann Moss as well, because it proved that she's an excellent actress uh, away from the franchise as well. But yeah, Mister Anderson, Hugo Weaving is just menacingly good um, here as Agent Smith. But I want to go and rewatch The Matrix. Everybody out there listening, I implore you to go and watch it again because it really is again so and by sub- the 4k blue yeah subjective but i think it's one of the best sci-fi films of all time and top 10 of the year for 1999 probably i think as well yeah and uh rightfully so i mean and honestly i'm not even upset at the order because the next three films i also i have i can justify why they are where they are and yeah i mean uh, two of them i certainly can and another one is more of a surprise for me but in terms of quality should be there interesting i think okay well i look forward to seeing uh how those which one that <laughs> yeah. is i think i know but i am curious let's let's should we, should we jump into the top three should we get to the podium now yep. let's do it bronze medal uh a film which is foolishly having another film coming out this year it's toy story 2 uh, distributed by buena Vista actually pictures I just saw the new trailer. Oh, I'll let you say everything and then I'll say the thing because that makes more sense then. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I'm intrigued by this now. <laughs> Buena Vista Pictures, of course, John Lasseter, who directed the film, uh, stars, of course, 
voice acted by Tom Hanks, Tim Allen, uh, John Cusack, uh, John Cusack, uh, Kelsey Grammer, Don Rickles, John Ratzenberger, Annie Potts. Ninety million dollar budget, two hundred forty-five million worldwide. Uh, sorry, domestic, four hundred ninety-seven, nearly five hundred million dollars worldwide. Eighty-eight uh, Metacritic, but it's one of only a few handful of films to have that covered one hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And before I go into what I think about the film, I want to hear what you thought about Toy Story Four trailer. Just off topic. Well, um, it's odd that this year. Uh, 20 years later, we're getting the number four movie of this franchise, um, and it appears to have just rehashed the exact same story from Toy Story 2. <laughs> yes. It is ridiculous, and I, it is Joan Cusack, uh, who is um, As soon as I read it, I Jessie. thought, it's clearly not John... John Cusack isn't the well, cowgirl, but yeah. yeah. And I'm like, when was John Cusack <laughs> I was thinking. I was like, oh yeah, it's John Cusack. Um, but... Yeah, I was so shocked. Like, I was already not sold on the teaser trailers because, like, the whole idea of Forky, it seems so existential. And that's maybe not where this movie needs to go. Like, what makes a toy a toy and why do they come to life? And at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe. But the, it sounds like you're going to be explaining away the magic yeah. of the film. Uh, and then I see this trailer where they show kind of the actual plot. And Forky jumps out of the moving car and Woody has to go after him, but then Woody finds, you know, oh, like, maybe life is better not going back with the kid, and maybe there's... I'm like, wait a minute, this is the premise of two, almost. And then it's like, Buzz is like, well, I'm gonna go find him. I'm like, wait a minute, now it's it is the premise from two. two. Again. Um, so, it, it w- people were already doubting whether we needed a fourth one, because the third one ends so perfectly, so amazingly. I've Toy Story uh, 3 held the record for a long time of the most crying I've ever done, and I literally cannot watch two scenes in that film without bawling. Like, I, I get so emotional. And so for them to bring a fourth one, I was very, like, I love the characters. I love all three of the films. I'm not... A, a lot of people hate on two. I like two. And I like Jessie a lot. I actually, I find her character to be really great. I think she's one of my favorite parts of the third one. At least she makes me laugh a lot with her and Buzz. Um, but this, uh, yeah, I don't... I don't know about four, but I am a fan of two. So, I, which I didn't mean to. I kind of no, jumped into no. that. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting point which needs to be made because I've said in my own podcasts about most intriguing films of the year. I put Toy Story four in for the fact is why are they making it other than yeah. money, 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 the great American dollar, yeah. the great British pound. Why? What's the the trilogy works as a as a trilogy? Fine. You don't need a fourth film other than. Another excuse to try and manipulate the audience into getting the tissues out and making more money. It's not like Disney needs a bloody money. They've got Disney no, Plus coming out this year. Everything. Put it on there. <laughs> but exactly, they, own, they now own probably most of the films on this on this year. Um, but just, uh, I thought the teaser trailer was well, a couple of toys floating around. The trailer, I thought, it's a Toy Story trailer, and I love these films. I couldn't give a damn about the Toy Story 4 trailer. And I've seen it. I'm not... Oh, I'm going to go and see it when it comes out. But I doubt whether I'm going to rush to see it on opening night. Because I'm a advocate of not using the phrase doesn't need to be made. And I've said that plenty of times. Film shouldn't need to be made, blah, blah. I don't like that phrase because what film does need to be made? But Toy Story 4 is one of them. We don't need it. We've got a, we've got a, yeah. a trilogy, a three-story arc uh, with, ca- with character arcs. We have... 
the the toys are where they need to be. The messages are out there. It, I could go on for a lot of tangent about that, but Toy Story Four. It, who knows though? It could end up being the best of the lot. We don't know, but narratively, yeah. it looks an awful lot like they've just taken the um, the, the screenplay of Toy Story Two and tweaked it. But I mean, Toy Story Two, I like it. Some say it's better than the original. I'm not sure it is. I don't. But I don't. No, think that. the animation is better. It's you know, it's four years yes. later. It's got to be. Plus, it it expands the story and it allows for greater exploration of themes and again, what toys mean to people. Pop culture over generations always included toys, and Toy Story taps into that with the the collector. And it, it I like Jesse as a character as well. An interesting fact about this, I read actually today. This was meant to be a straight to DVD release. They were just going to release it as a straight to DVD release. Oh. But when the story. When the story and the rough draft started coming out, Disney suddenly thought, hold on, again, money, money, money. They suddenly changed it to a theatrical release, but also said, we're not actually going to change the release dates. You've got nine months to rewrite this entire story to make it fit for the screen, but you're going to have to work five times as hard. And so many of the animators oh, suffered, man. what, carpal tunnel syndrome and repetitive strain injuries. I mean, these warriors and got, were beaten so hard into the ground for this. Nine months to write, uh, script, record, and animate, render, and everything that comes along with it. This is 1999, remember? They would have had a whole uh, office block with just um, a rendering farm for this. Nine months. But I don't mind Toy Story 2. I think it's decent. I think it take it like I say, expands the story where it needs to be. It's not just a complete takeoff of the first film. I love Buzz Woody, Tom Hanks, and Tim Allen together. It's a good film. I still prefer the first one, and I also enjoyed the third one. But I don't mind Toy Story two, and I'm not going to take it away. It's place in the top ten. Yeah, no, and I, again, I don't think it's better than the first one. I I would say, I think it's I think it's the first and then the third, but the third one puts it a run for the money for being the best. Because mm-hmm. um, I do think it's one of the most successful trilogies, and one of the only trilogies where the middle movie is not the best, it's which true. is interesting. It's true. Uh, I do like it, and um, I definitely – I'm, of course, going to see number four. Um, I am unbelievably apprehensive with the trailers I've seen so far, though. I, I am not I'm not sold on this – on the sequel not being anything more than a, a money grab, and that makes me sad because I think the trilogy is, is so great. Um, I hope they don't ruin I, – I mean you can't ruin the other three films with a fourth film, but I hope they don't make me dislike – the franchise because of a fourth film. Like, I hope it doesn't do things to just be like, oh, why? I can't believe it. Um, yeah, I mean, unless they suddenly turn around and make it that Buzz Lightyear was the bad you all along or some stupid twist like that, I can't imagine yeah. them, you know, ruining the legacy of the the actual trilogy. But, I mean, of course I'm going to go see it, but I'm just not excited for it yeah. at all. Similar to Dunbar, I really haven't really got too much of a buzz for it. Yeah, I, and I don't blame you for either of those. Um, number two, and I'm guessing this is the one that you are maybe surprised to have it. I'm not so surprised. High. Yeah, I'm not surprised to see it. So, well, well, in terms of in terms of box office turns, I am. Yeah, I I didn't know how much I knew it was a juggernaut, but wow. Um, the Sixth Sense, uh, distributed by Buena Vista Pictures, which I also didn't realize its connection to to Disney. Um, M Night Shyamalan, uh, directs and debuts with his directorial yeah. thing, which ultimately sets his career up on a path that. <laughs> is disputed but uh explored on the blank check podcast that i've talked about several times and i can't help but uh promote i just think it's a really entertaining podcast 
Um, Bruce Willis, Haley Joel Osment is introduced, Tony Collette, who's a awesome actress, Olivia Williams, and of course we don't want to leave off Donnie Wahlberg. Um, you know, <laughs> we, we'll get beat up by the Wahlbergs. <laughs> yeah. uh, it has only a forty million dollar budget, which is still a lot for a debut film, mind you. Yeah. Um, that, that's a pretty high uh, starting budget. Um, domestic gross two hundred ninety three million worldwide though six hundred and seventy two million dollars i had no clue um 85 percent rotten tomatoes but a 64 on metacritic um this is the movie that makes m night Shyamalan the uh the name to watch which i say his sophomore uh film is his better film um and i think his greatest film to date um which would be unbreakable uh and then uh he starts to slowly decline as he burns more and more people and becomes um type type it's not typecast but typed as the twist director mm-hmm. um which he definitely kind of dives into maybe too much um and then uh he's had some success in the recent years i love split and i am a fan of glass um i am one of the supporters of the film uh many of the detractors out there but um i like the sixth sense uh i saw it it was much like the matrix everyone well not like the matrix at first i was one of the people everyone that was talking about the matrix uh, everyone else was talking about the sixth sense and i was kind of like okay and i went and saw it and i i loved it at the time um i was definitely again um the idea of the twist obviously the twist endings had existed but i, I think for me a lot of the movies i watched as a kid did not have twists you know not like this and i was so into it and i was already a fan of bruce willis because as i've said many times i'm a fan of hudson hawk yeah. <laughs> and so gr- grew up a bruce willis fan so i was excited to see him in something and um yeah i i still like this movie um i actually had forgotten how much i liked it i went back to it a few years ago i think before split came out and i rewatched it and i introduced my daughter to it and i was like man yeah this movie kicks butt it's just really really solid um Haley Joel Osment is a great example of what a kid actor can be. Uh, and there are plenty of other examples, but um, he's so good in this movie. And there's some really creepy imagery in this film. But yeah, I, I still like it. And I think it holds up over the time, over 20 years. Oh my 20 God. 20 years. I mean, I think I think this is Shyamalan's best film, I think. Um, ah. But you mentioned the Disney uh, link there. It's a funny yeah. story. I say funny story. The president of Disney, or the then president of Walt Disney Studios, a guy called David Vogel, he basically had found, heard of this screenplay by this guy called M. Night Shyamalan and paid about $3 million for the rights for it. And at, and with that, agreed to let Shyamalan direct the film with with the $40 million budget. Disney then basically found out, or Buena Vista, and fired this guy straight up Vogel. <laughs> fired him for making this decision behind their back. And they had no faith in this film whatsoever. So they basically uh, shunted it off to a smaller subsidiary company and kind of said, there you go, we'll take 12% of your money, but you can do what you want with this film. And look where we got them. It's 600 and nearly $700 million for a film Kathleen Kennedy produced. Because the woman does know what she's doing. Believe it or not, sweaty internet. Um, the Sixth Sense. <laughs> I really liked this film. It's not... I, to me, it's not a horror film in the most traditional sense of the world, word, but there's this awesome just atmospheric dread that hovers so menacingly over the entire film. But the horror aspects of the film are effective. And I love, we've mentioned this on other shows we've done, I love ghost stories. 
chilling, atmospheric and frightening ghost stories, which is all I've wanted from things like Winchester and other films and just haven't got. Yeah. Uh, ghost stories, the film, yes. But this is what exactly what I want from a ghosty story. Hayley Joel Osment was excellent. Tony Clare is also good. And, you know, this was very much like a David Attenborough moment as well because he, he's Bruce Willis in the unnatural habitat and environment of acting. <laughs> um, you know, you, you have to go back. It's almost like a relic of seeing Bruce Willis acting, not mm. getting a payday, yeah. trying hard. Bruce Willis is very good in this film. Tony Collette is excellent. Yeah. I think Hayley Joel Osment is one of the youngest ever Oscar noms um, for his role in this film. But um, James Newton Howard's score is great. The cinematography of uh, Tak Fujimoto is hauntingly good. And of course, you get the twists. You get the, the quite I see dead people, the quotes. So it's a film which yeah. has its place in pop culture. And you've, you mentioned Shyamalan being the twist man. I mentioned in our split discussion on the Bloody Awesome Movie podcast that I now think his films have that albatross around their neck where everybody goes to see the yeah. twist. But when The Sixth Sense came out, nobody knew about it. And this twist holds no. up as one of the better twists in modern cinema because I didn't see it coming at all. Even when Haley Joel Osment yeah. sees dead people and the camera starts zooming into Bruce Willis, it I I, I think it's a, such an awesome twist to a brilliant film, and I still think it's his best film. Unbreakable, however, is is high up there. I love, I love Unbreakable more. But I will, I know it's possible people saw the twist coming, but I I feel like most people who are like I saw that coming are full of crap. Mm-hmm. Like it's so yeah. well structured. Like, but once you once you know the twist, it's an even fun movie to rewatch because now you're looking to see did he manage to like cover the seams as everything hold up. And I think it does a really good job of saying, yeah, it does. Like most of the movie, even knowing the end, uh, it's, it's really well constructed and that's why it holds up over 20 years. And it's still, you know, a very beloved film and it, yeah. it's, it's scary, but it's, it's more than, it's not just like, it doesn't solely rely on the scares to be good. It's, it's got exactly. character. Um, it's, it's just a really, really excellent film. Um and again, just one of many that came out in 1999. It's, this is a really strong year. We're only in the top ten, guys. Yeah. We still have to do number one. Well, <laughs> like, and we've got some big movies that we've already discussed. We've got plenty, plenty more to discuss. But I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I going back and knowing the twist, going back and rewatching for the hints and the clues is I find that a fun part of film watching. Not say there's some scary moments. The 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 woman in the tent, for example, is a terrifying moment even the the introductory scenes are pretty terrifying so whilst it's not, for me it's not like a, it's not a horror film i still think it's more of a psychological psychological horror film of you but not straight up i think this is excellent and yeah i'm surprised it's so high on the list for the fact that it took so much money 700 million dollars for a directorial debut with with, with its budget and Kind of the fact that Disney had no faith in it, it yeah, is a heck of an achievement. But what's number one in 1999? If anybody remembers being young in, or if anyone remembers being alive in 1999, you'll know the, you should know what's number one. Probably, and actually, no, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and probably say, to me, this is, remains the most anticipated movie of all time. Judging by, wow. I, not, well, not, I mean, just for in the world of cinema, I can't think of a film which has gained as much hype 
as this one in terms of what people would do for tickets, the promotional aspects, yeah. the marketing, just being everywhere and the pop culture explosion. In fact, there's a movie made, uh, I forget what year, but it's about people waiting to get tickets yes. to see this movie and going out of their way to make sure they're able to see it. Um, before one of them maybe won't be able to uh, from 2009. Yeah. Uh, so 10 years after. Um, but yeah, like, so yeah, I think it's a valid point, man. And I, I hadn't thought of that, but totally in this of my childhood, I don't know if there was a more anticipated film for me ever. Exactly. Until a few years there ago. There was another film very similar that had just a fever pitch anticipation. But if you haven't guessed already, number one from 1999 was Star Wars The Phantom Menace, episode one. Distributed by, wait for it, 20th Century Fox, not Disney yet. Directed by George Lucas and it starred Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, Ian McDermott, Sam Jackson, Jake Lloyd, Ray Park, Ahmed Best, Penilla August, Anthony Daniels, of course, Kenny Baker and Frank Oz. Budget $115 million, which nowadays seems fairly small considering Tarzan had a bigger budget. Uh, domestically, it made $475 million. Worldwide, $1 billion. $1.027 billion. However, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 54% and Metacritic at 51%. Uh, this was 16 years after Return of the Jedi was released. Now, I've mentioned that I think it's the most anticipated film of all time, just for the impact at the time. I can't think... I, maybe there is one... Maybe there's a glaring one I'm missing out on, but just in terms of what it did to fans... I think this is the most rapidly anticipated film of all times, which makes the finished product even more of a letdown. Now, I'm going to say before I go any further that I like this film. I don't hate it. I don't despise it. It didn't ruin any childhood of mine. I just think it could have been so much more. It does possess mm. some of the saga's most memorable scenes. Um, the pod race on Tatooine was visually and sonically excellent. The showdown between <laughs> Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Maul is excellent. And when Jar Jar Binks steps in Bantha Crap, who could remember that brilliant scene? <laughs> oh, brilliant. Who do? But um, I, 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 I like The Phantom Menace. I think I gave. I think I'm, it nestles in a five and a half, six out of ten for me. I love, love, love you and McGregor as Obi Wan. Liam Neeson was so well cast as Qui Gon. Natalie Portman's Queen Amidala had some incredible outfits, and her character showed some promise in this film. Ian McDermott was great as the reptilian chancellor. Jake Lloyd did what he could from Jingle All the Way. Did what he could. With some horrifying dialogue, but it's all tainted by the backlash and the abuse that this boy received. It's nothing short of a boron, and grown adults should be ashamed of themselves. But as we see nowadays, nothing has changed. So if you are one of those people, go outside once in a while, get some sun, have a shower. Um, yeah. John Williams returned with a belter of a score, Anakin's theme, and the stunning jewel of the face. On the flip side, the script is flat. The actors are hamstrung by poor dialogue and poor directing. Lucas is a stunning storyteller, but he's not a director. He's not a good director. Um, it's interesting to note that the best Star Wars film, Empire Strikes Back, was directed by Evan Kershner and not George Lucas. Uh, with I yeah. think if they if he'd put more emphasis on the story and the characters and less of the admittedly groundbreaking VFX and the misplaced humour, then The Phantom Menace could have been something very special. But instead, for me... It's just pretty good. And I say that as, not as a blinkered, biased fan of the saga. I'm the first person to jump all over the floors. But I don't think The Phantom Menace is as horrendous as the world would have you believe. 
but it certainly has some moments which I wish never existed. But um, yes. are you a fan of the Phantom Menace or? I mentioned earlier, um, I, 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 when I was talking about the Matrix uh, sequels, I don't deny them. I, I have for a long time was a prequel denier. Uh, I pretended they didn't mm. exist. Um, I am uh, both Matt and I. If you don't know this, we're we're Star Wars nerds, um, and I, it sucks because our our fandom is so toxic and vile. Nice. Um, and I I hate that because there are. I know many awesome Star Wars fans, so I'm not saying every Star Wars fan is like I, I don't feel like we're like that. Yeah, I, agree I think that, yeah. we're rational people, but there's definitely those out there, and they came. The internet gave them even more power, um, and we saw what happened to uh, the actress who played Rose in Last Jedi. I don't remember her name, but uh, I think both her and Daisy Ridley removed their social media accounts because of the horrible things people were saying to them, and I I I, I hate that, but. Um, in recent years, um, especially with the return of the new trilogy, not directed by Lucas, um, I, I have rewatched them and I own them. Um, I don't deny their existence. Uh, there is good in all three of the prequel films. There is also tons and tons of horrible elements of them. <laughs> uh, the worst of which I think starts here because of Lucas's need to over explain things that we never should have had explained. Like we did not need Metachlorians. Mm mm. One of the worst things that ever happened. Um, to be honest, I'm going to point this out there because this is a common criticism, but I never was really bothered by the political discussions. Um, I think I might actually find some of that interesting. It's the best part it, of it's... Star Wars when it's done right. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. So like, there's a whole lot of like the Republic in this, but I'm like, you know, I, that's an important part of the whole the whole franchise, right? Because that's where the Empire comes yeah. from. So I I was okay with that. Sure, it might get a little long winded, but I, I'm I'm not opposed to long-winded dialogue or exposition at times. Um, and I like Liam Neeson and I like Natalie Portman as an actress. Oh, yeah. um, I love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. I, that is easily my favorite part of the prequels. Um, he is so perfectly cast as Obi-Wan. And I really do hope somehow we get a, even if it's a like one hour mini episode of something with Ewan McGregor as middle-aged uh, Obi-Wan, I would love that. Um, I don't think we're going to get the movie because of Solo, unfortunately. Word on the street but... is that Disney Plus are pot- or Disney are potentially going to announce a 10-episode series on their streamer service with Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Potentially. I would be down for I that. I would be all over that. Um, and I, I love uh, getting more of Yoda um, in the in the prequels. <laughs> and in, you Because know, we, we, I love Yoda in Empire, and I love Yoda in Return of the Jedi as little as he's in it. Um, but I love getting to to be with him as a functional Jedi. Um, I like him a lot, and uh, I'm a big Yoda fan um, as a character. And you know, there's there's definitely tons of problems with Phantom Menace and with the other uh, other uh, prequels. But um, Jar Jar being probably the most glaring, and Anakin, uh, sadly, the 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 series that is built for Anakin, he's one of the worst aspects of it. And I'm not even criticizing the actors. I'm talking about the writing of the character because that is not the character that we should have got. It doesn't make sense with who Darth Vader is. It doesn't make sense with any of the stories we hear about Anakin. It's just, it's real bad. Uh, There's so many bad lines of dialogue for Anakin, especially um, in all three movies. And so, you know, um, I still, I still will rewatch this. In fact, I've been getting an itch. I think I'm going to be rewatching the original trilogy here in the next couple of weeks, especially with, uh, when I'm at Tribeca, Matt is uh, going to be May Fourth. Is one of the days I'm there. May the Fourth, and they are doing a, 
they're doing a, a screening of a new hope uh free oh, no, um, cool. it's like a yeah so i might have to check that out i've seen it on the big screen many times in fact um but gosh darn it if there's a free screening in the <laughs> the neighborhood that i'm yeah, in man. probably gonna go watch it so <laughs> especially on may the 4th and they're encouraging cosplay which i don't do but i do enjoy some awesome star wars cosplay so um i'm, I'm all in for that uh potential but i'm all there for the jar jar uh, books yeah. And I'm not surprised that this movie is number one because, like you said, it was everyone went in with high, high hopes. And and most people saw it a second time, even if they didn't like it, because it was a new Star Wars movie. And it was almost like we had to like because you saw it the first time and you're like, no, no, it's great. No, it's great. <laughs> and then you're like, I, I got to go back. And you're like, oh, crap, it's not it's not it's not perfect. Great. But it's funny. <laughs> and then There's maybe so a third you time about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen this movie. I can't even tell you how many times. And I, I've, um, I'm pretty sure I got it on VHS when it first came out, and then I bought it on DVD, and I have it on Blu-ray now. So, like, even with my criticisms, it's as a Star Wars person, you, it's, it's a part of it, and you just, you take it with stride. You know that it's got flaws, but there's, there's enough there. And again, Darth Maul is awesome. Let's be real. Darth like, Maul is he's a boss. Awesome enough that they, they retconned his, his <laughs> outcome in the cartoons and then in solo because he was too great of a character to only be in one movie. So I mean, I, yeah, the, the way they, the way he was retconned is frankly ridiculous, but as a fan of the series and all of the aspects of the wider story, I'm glad that they did because his, his, his actual overall arc is one of the best in the entire, you know, canon, mm. I think. But, um, yeah, the prequels themselves, if you read them on Wikipedia or something, the stories are great. It's just the execution. And also the prequel, you mentioned the DVDs and the Blu-rays. Other than Lord of the Rings, the prequel trilogy's got the best set of DVD extras you'll ever see. There's like hours and hours and hours of behind the scenes and how literally every aspect is spoken about in great deal. So if anyone out there hasn't, go on YouTube. They're all on YouTube, I think. And they're so, so interesting. But yeah, I mean, it, it was obvious that this was going to be the number one film of the year, I think. As a... As a huge fan of the saga, I still wouldn't put it in as my number one of the year. I'm not that foolish. Would it even make my top ten? I don't know. I rewatched it about a week or two ago and actually didn't find Jar Jar that annoying. In fact, I may have even sniggered at a few of the things he did. So I think I'm maturing yeah. in my age now. But I'm looking forward to my young daughter watching it, whether she likes it or not, to see what she thinks of Jar Jar and if she finds him funny. But no surprises there with the number one in terms of in terms of box office and. Uh, cracking down those numbers, the average budget was $73.3 million with for a total top 10 budget of $733 million. Average Rotten Tomatoes, a bit more like it, 75% for the top 10, 673 um for Metacritic. So for the most part, for the most part, the top 10 was pretty well received, including that for fabled 100% on RT. Quite a few in the 80s, they're either in the 80s or they're in the 50s. Yeah, I, I it's a solid year. Um, just in the top ten, and we're about to get into some pretty strong, uh, notable releases as well from 1999. I, I think 99 is an excellent year in film. I know I'm jumping the gun and saying that, Matt, but I, I can't help it. So I far, love so good. Can't and again, for me, I think this is the year that I really became like I'd always loved movies, but this is the year I started like kind of looking into um, less mainstream films and also appreciating mainstream films in a different way. I mean, because, again, we get Star Wars, uh, The Matrix, obviously more mainstream than I realized. 
but one of the ones that on the notable releases I I have always thought to be a bigger film than apparently it was at the time, and thus it earns the cult status. And I'm interested to see what this is. Uh, as John mentioned, notable releases. So that was a top ten. What else? What were the notable releases in 1999? Hitting the screen. All right, so because we we had so much to say about the top ten, I just want to hit on uh, three of my big ones. Um, Dogma. I knew you were going to uh, say that one. Yeah, Kevin Smith <laughs> is one of my uh, all-time inspirations. I am never going to say he's the best director, but he's a director that I click with a lot. Um, I think his – especially um, Dogma, I think, is one of his most important films that I think often gets overlooked. And it doesn't help my case that there is a – giant shit monster in the movie <laughs> yeah, there is, isn't there? but uh <laughs> you know um it's one where he's actually like <laughs> talking about something more than just star wars and comic books not that those things aren't important but he's he's looking giant at a, monster instead. a religious uh a religious meaning and what religion means to him um some of it is definitely to uh to deal with like his catholic upbringing um i, I it's got matt damon ben affleck as his leads which come on like that's crazy um, Chris Rock is in it, Linda Florentino, Sam Hayek, Alan Rickman, gosh, God rest the his soul. great Alan Rickman. And of course, Jay and Silent Bob, um, Jason, Lee, uh, oh, and Jason Lee too, but, uh, Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith. Um, I, you know, it's a film that I, I think opened my eyes in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't think I saw it in 99 though. I think I was a couple of years late to this one as I was with a lot of Kevin Smith films. I was always a little behind. They didn't play in theaters near me very often. I think Jane Silent Bob was the only one that actually played in a theater that I was able to see. Jane and Bob Strike Back. And uh but I owned I own the special edition of Dogma it introduces Mubi into the uh View Askewiverse. Um I, I'm a I'm a big fan of this film. Um it's been a while since I've watched this one, but it, it was a go to for me for a long time. Um the other two I'm gonna go out of order alphabetically here. Um I'm gonna jump down to uh one of my top five Tim Burton films um, of all time is Sleepy Hollow. Uh, I love mm. Sleepy Hollow. It is a fall movie for me. I love watching it around Halloween. I think Johnny Depp is hilarious in the film. I think um, this retelling of a very classic story of the the Headless Horseman um, is great. I think it's it really expands it in a way that's fun and, and you know interesting. Um, and I have to say, uh, as a kid, I think this was one of my first encounters with Christopher Walken. Um, you know, now I've seen a lot of his movies, but as a kid, I hadn't really seen him in anything except for Joe Dirt might be before this. Um, and he's horrifying in this movie because he has like sharpened spike teeth, and it's it's a it's scary freaking imagery. Um, but I, it's a film that I saw in the theater, and I actually just taught it this year for the first time. Um, with my film two class, we did a study on seasons. Um, it was one of the first quote unquote horror films that I introduced my daughter to because she wanted to watch scary stuff. And I thought this was okay. I forgot it was R. So there is a lot of blood in this movie, but, um, it still was like, you know, it's scary, but it's not so scary. Like it, it, it tones down cause there's a lot of humor in it as well. Um, and she's always kind of had a Tim Burton, like kind of like she likes a lot of his stuff. Uh, but um, those are the first two, and then I, I have a third that I definitely have to talk about because I could, I'm shocked that it wasn't higher in the top t- or that it wasn't in the top ten. Uh, because in my head, this is such a huge film, and it is, I think, in a cult way now. But Fight Club, yeah. uh, David Fincher, uh, stars Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Helena Bonham Carter, uh, which I think was my first encounter with her, um, Meatloaf, and 
It says Meatloaf a day. Is that his last name? I don't know. That's just how it was on the cast list, which I've never heard him call that before. I, me either. I'm like, wait, what is this? Is this another person? Um, Meatloaf a day sounds like a bad diet. And- we got to Oh God! Uh, and and of course, uh, Jared Leto is uh, in this movie as well, um, or Jared Leto, depending on your choice. I I this movie also blew my mind. Um, I saw it in the theater uh, in 1999. I was working at McDonald's, so every Friday or Saturday I would go to a movie. The, that was like how I spent my money. Um, it was probably the first year I ever went weekly to the movie theater. And the Weekend Fight Club came out. There was nothing else to see. And my logic going into Fight Club was at least there'd be some fighting. Like, action was my, <laughs> my headspace. And I walked out with a story that blew my mind. I had no – I didn't see the, the, the twist coming. Um, so I got Sixth Sense, this, and The Matrix, all three of which had maz- crazy twists in them at different points and served different functions to the plot. Fight Club just – I was so stunned by it. Now, in recent years, it has become, uh, you know, like accused of being – promoting male toxicity i i don't think it is promoting it because i watch this movie as like a cautionary tale um i've never been like yeah i want to be like these guys i'm always like look what happens to him in the world like Like, yeah so um i've never thought of it as like promoting male toxicity i do see that there is male toxicity in this film but i i feel like it's working out some of those things and it's also like a result of the way in the 90s we were supposed to like keep our emotions in. We weren't supposed to feel things. And this was like that exploding outward. Like if we don't sh- if we don't show emotions, if men aren't supposed to have feelings, this is the craziness that is eating us up inside. And we're not supposed to do that. Um, so I, I don't see those criticisms to be valid. Um, I do think it's up to interpretation. And I do think some people might misinterpret the message of the movie and that could be just as bad you know it's like putting a gun in in the hands of the wrong person um is bad if the if you misinterpret the point of the film mm-hmm. or maybe i'm misinterpreting it and it's just beneficial for me i don't know you know whatever um i do see how it could be bad but i still like fight club it, it used to be like my go-to number one movie it has long since fallen off of that that role but um i i am a huge david fincher fan and um I saw seven before this, but I definitely wasn't aware that who the director was when I saw that. Um, I've been very aware of David Fincher since Fight Club, though. I love the film Fight Club. And you, do you remember what the first rule of Fight Club was? Oh, I, I don't think we're allowed to talk about I that. I think man. you've already uh, gone against that, so uh, you're out of the club. But, um, oh, crap. Yep, yeah, I, I I like Fight Club. I love the um, the cast they've got. Uh, Meatloaf, his surname is his name's Marvin Ade. So hence oh, okay. he's on there, but I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm gonna do a John. I'm just gonna cut chuck out a couple. Um, if I if I if I say to you, one film was made for sixty thousand dollars, you ended up making two hundred and fifty million. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. The Blair Witch Project. Oh yeah, I totally do. Ah. Never mind. Sorry. Yes. Uh, to, speaking of films with hype, the marketing for this film was utter genius. They the fact that. The directors, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez and everyone at Hacksand Films and Artists and Entertainment managed to make people believe that this was a real story, that, yeah, that this was actually found footage. And I, I kind of, when I watched it, was trying to work out, actually, were they telling the truth? Was this real? Because it was the way it was shot. And obviously the actors on uh, I, Heather Donahue, Joshua Leonard, Michael C. Williams, they were, it wasn't really scripted. They at, at the end of every day or every morning, they were given... Like essentially what they needed to do next so they were piecing together the clues as they were going along so a lot of their mm-hmm. reactions are 
are, are caught as they were. I I think the Blair Witch Project is uh, an astonishingly good film. I really yep. do. I know a lot of people think I'm crazy for thinking that, and I think it's become pretty no. pretty hip to to uh, to, to uh, dump on the film now, mainly because of the parodies of it and the uh, the snotty nose parodies, shall we say? But I think the Blair Witch yeah. Project is a damn effective film. Really like that. This is I'm going to throw some titles out now. This is also the, f- the year we got Ten Things I Hate About You, American Pie, the classic yep. American Pie, Milf, yeah, Milf, Milf, uh, uh, the Silent House Rules, Deep Blue Sea. Uh, just for that scene, just for that scene in Deep Blue Sea, um, involving Sammy Jackson, Eyes Wide Shut, Stanley Kubrick's final film, Galaxy Quest. Oh, Galaxy Quest! Such is a great. fun film again. Another Alan Rickman. He said it. Yeah, uh, Sigourney Weaver. They managed to rope uh, for that. Girl Interrupted, James Mangold, The Green Mile, one of my top twenty, thirty films of all time. The Green Mile. Wow, I've yet. not seen that yet, dude. I love the great. I again, I implore you to go and watch that film. It's so good, and you—I forgot the guy's name now, but you will hate one of the prison gardens. Uh, Guardians, all I'll say. Uh, Magnolia, PTA. Um, Heck yeah, awesome movie. What a what awesome cast characters in a yeah. film, and a load of stories that blend into one PTA epic. Stigmata came out, a supernatural horror that was utterly panned, but I thought it was quite good. Talented Mr. Ripley, uh, the wild, uh, wild, wild West came out as well. Will Smith, Kevin Klein, Kevin Brown, though, and Salma Hayek. It's awful. Did it, you remember uh, that man, it's, The song is good. The Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's, uh, good might be an overstatement. <laughs> it's listenable. I, I need to go back. To, I only remember the Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West, and all I think about is yes. Family Guy and their how they portray the inoffensive rap songs of Will Smith. And I can't get that yeah. out of my head now. <laughs> He's apparently, he just dropped a, like there was a YouTube video of him rapping in the studio. Um, I guess because of like his, everyone talking crap about him. So he kind of did like a Eminem style diss track. Um, that what I heard, I was kind of impressed by. So, uh, you know, Will Smith might still have it. Wookie, Wookie, Will Smith. Still better than his son. Jaden the hanger honor Jer Smith nepotism uh, but there's so many yeah, other but... films I mean your man being John Malkovich came out Bicentennial Man Big Daddy came out Brr, Cruel Intentions yep. which has for some reason there's a 20th anniversary retro screening like not just not no I'm sorry not a retro screening a re-release of the 20th anniversary of Cruel Intentions here in the States mm. like it's at most theaters right now and I'm like well why like <laughs> Was it that big of a movie, like that people need a twentieth anniversary for it? Like, I I'd rather see like a twentieth anniversary of Fight Club or The Matrix or, or yeah, but like freaking Cruel Intentions. Um, yeah. The only thing I remember about that movie was everyone freaking out about the lesbian kiss sequence, which in nineteen ninety nine again, that's that culture, and I apologize for us, but at the time that was like, that only reason anyone talked about that movie was like, oh, Sarah Michelle Gellar kisses um Selma Blair. I think it's like. Okay, now who cares? Let's not get like, started in American nothing. Pie, then. <laughs> yeah, you're completely right. American Pie, again, some of these movies don't age well. No, but... I still find American Pie funny, because I'm take. i going to take it for what it is. Oh, and, yeah. Um, but it's stiff, like, I, I find it funny that John Cho, who I respect so much <laughs> as an actor, says MILF, and is like, most people don't know that. Like, this, the, the word MILF comes He's from He's credited as like MILF line. Man 2 or something in the film. 
yeah, yeah, he doesn't even have a name. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But I mean there this is there was I mean the number of releases aren't bad. Freddie Prince Jr. was desperately trying to make a career in nineteen ninety nine. He was in yeah. uh, She's All That and a couple of other films as well. Uh mm. God bless Freddie Prince Jr. But uh, Muppets from Space, the Thomas Crown Affair, Talented Mr. Ripley, there's an awful lot that came out this year. For better or worse, Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. How could I forget that Rob Schneider oh, classic? Yeah, we can forget that one. Um, yeah. Although that is one of his better leading movies, uh, which says nothing. It says nothing um, about him. So, um, yeah. Was there any more from the list be- you wanted to chuck out? Um, I mean, do, did we say Girl Interrupted? Because that one's, I, I think, oh, I uh, mentioned it for the Mango Factor. I mean, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Wine on a Rider is great. And Angelina um, Jolie's very good. I, I one that I've been meaning to watch and I've heard such good things about is Three Kings. Um, so I've ne- I skipped film. it. Yeah, Clooney and it's the David O. Russell film. Um, who I am, I'm hot and cold with O. Russell films. Some I hate, some I like. But this one, I, I kind of skipped thinking it was just gonna be like a dumb action movie, and I've heard it's really good, and I've not gone to it. So uh, it's one I need to uh, check out. And then uh, I, I actually, I'm not an Oliver Stone fan normally, but was into Any Given Sunday when it came out. I don't know if I would still like it, but when it came out, I thought, you know, like it was so erratic because they do like the point of view cameras uh, from. Jamie Foxx's quarterback's character mm-hmm. that get real like shaky cam and crazy. There's definitely some bad stuff, and I think it was way too long. But I, I at the time, I liked that movie, so throw that out there. Yep, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was in End of Days as well, so um, yeah. we got our Arnie film. I guess yeah, they mean no releases. Big again, as we always say, there are some big films that would probably make it into most people's top ten from that year, but. Moving on, they were our notable releases from 1999. So let's go a little bit further with this. Winners and losers. We're going to take a look at what awards were won in 1999 at the uh, Oscars and, of course, the more important Razzies. (laughs) Um, Mm. We'll start with the the obvious. And, of course, I think uh, we kind of alluded to this when the top ten. The best picture at the Oscars for 1999's Oscars. Well, I guess technically it's the 2000, 2000 Oscars, yeah. right? Cause it's always the year after, um, is American beauty, uh, which, you know, that justifies its place in the top 10 pretty strongly. Pretty much best director, Sam Mendes for American beauty. I wonder who the best actor could be. Is it? Oh, Kevin Spacey for American beauty. What a surprise. Dirty award now. Best actress. Let's go a bit different. Hillary Swank for boys. Don't cry. Which we didn't mention in notable uh, releases, but yeah, definitely a, a big performance mm-hmm. and a breakout. Is this, is this her breakout time? Like where she, she wasn't really known uh, yet? I and think then boom. so. I'd say so. Because I think she already did the next Karate Kid before this movie, because I'm pretty sure that came out before 99. Um, most people probably have not seen the next Karate Kid. <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, I did watch that movie way too many times. <laughs> um, big Mr. Miyagi fan here. Best Supporting Actor, we get Michael Yay. Caine. Um I don't know what accent that was uh, for Cider House Rules. <laughs> it was a, it was a it was a strange accent for Michael Caine, but we'll, we'll let it pass. Um, he also has fairly decent teeth. Um, best supporting actress Angelina Jolie for the aforementioned Girl Interrupted. Uh, best original screenplay American Beauty. Uh, best adapted screenplay went to the Cider House Rules. Skipping down to uh, well, skipping down to you, I think. What, um, what's the original score? Yeah, go best original score to Red Violin from John Corigliano. I don't even. Is that the movie that the score is from? Uh, yes, I don't sorry, know yeah, that yeah. Okay, well, I'm, I mean, it, I assume, but I, I don't know that movie, uh, which makes I've me feel never bad. Never heard of it. Um, oh, good. It's yeah. not just me. Sorry, uh, cinephiles <laughs> out there. 
Yeah, best original song, You'll Be In My Heart from Tarzan, written and performed by Phil Collins, not Genesis. And best cinematography, American Beauty, Conrad Hall. Uh, There was no animated feature because that wasn't a category until 2002. Academy Awards are... Well, let's before we go into anything else, let's 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 wrap up the Academy Awards for the top ten. How usually back in the very olden days, the top ten were dominated by Oscar winners. Not so much in recent years. What's nineteen ninety nine looking like? Um, it's not dominated by. Uh, there is a lot of nominations, although two of our top ten nothing nominated. Uh, Notting Hill and The World Is Not Enough got nothing, and that's uh that's kind of not surprising for Notting Hill to be honest. Rom coms don't get a lot of attention. Um, Bond films not even getting a special effects or nod. Sound or something or visual, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's surprising. Or um, screenplay, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, The Matrix, man, I love seeing that. It won so many awards. Um, best film editing, best sound, best effects, uh, best effects, sound editing, and best visual effects. Definitely 100% deserving of those things. I feel like supporting actor to uh, Lawrence Fishburne could have gone, but, you know, whatever. But uh, point, what actually. else? Um, well, you got um, the Phantom Menace was nominated for those same ones that the Matrix won: best sound, best effects, best visual effects, and the sound and effects in that film, certainly at the time, were excellent. Uh, we've mentioned Tarzan, American Beauty, The Sixth Sense. You know that was nominated for a quite a few of the major awards. It was not up for Best Picture. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, Best Supporting Actor. Uh, Tony Collette got a nod for Best Supporting Actress. Best Director, well Best Original Screenplay, and Best Film Editor. I mean, Sixth Sense really swept up for major nominations, which was good to see. And for a debut film with a, not an attached property oh, at yeah. all. like And the studio had no yeah. faith in it. Yep. Whatever. I mean, Best Original Song, Toy Story 2 got a nomination for Randy Newman, When She Loves Me. Best Sound for The Mummy, so your film is an Oscar-nominated film. Hey, there you go. And, I mean, Austin Powers is an Oscar-nominated <laughs> film for... It's got the Suicide Squad treatment, the uh, best makeup. <laughs> oh, it, I prefer Oscar Powers to Suicide Squad, but me too. 100%. The top ten got a lot of nominations and actually some fairly decent wins, especially American Beauty that swept up, but uh, and Six Sense swept up a lot of nominations. But I mean, the Academy Awards, I would say they're one thing. Great, get a golden statue. Everyone loves you. It goes on the front of the DVD Blu-ray. We're here for the Razzies, John. Let's talk Razzies, Golden Raspberries. All right, so. The worst picture of 1999 goes to Will Smith's A Wild Wild West. I I really wish they'd attach his name to the front of that movie. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith. <laughs> uh, worst actor, Adam Sandler in Big Daddy. Which I don't think it's fair. I like Big Daddy. Uh, it's not my favorite Sandler film, but I, I worst actor? Come on. Come on. Seriously, that's the worst? There's not another bad movie? Um, worst actress, Heather Donahue in The Blair Witch Project. Which, What? That's insane. I'm up. That's the first time I think I've ever been truly upset with them. John is outraged like, at the Razzies. She's she's. Oh my god! Like, how do you look at the Blair Witch and think that's bad acting? Like, I, I don't see that as bad. I I felt so when I saw that the first time. That was before it was out. That it definitely wasn't real. It was still like the the rumors were that it was yeah. real and all that. Um and man, I was totally convinced. So whatever, Razzies. <laughs> yeah, John's not happy with you. John's starting to question the validity of the Razzies. Now, yes, so, um, I... they've, they've they've gone through the looking glass. Worst supporting actor, Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks in The Phantom Menace. Poor Ahmed. Okay, they've they went back up a notch. Hmm. Um, and same thing with this one. Worst supporting actress, 
Denise Richards in the world is not enough. I don't know if that's her fault or if it's the I writing think it in was that her movie. Fault partly as well. It's probably her fault, yeah, because she's not proven to be very good in many things. Every um, scene with her in is awful. Yeah, yeah. It's Starship Troopers. She's great in Starship Troopers because it, you know, she's well, she's okay in Starship. Troopers. They they don't use her much. Yeah, they <laughs> they keep her in the distance. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, go well, ahead. Who's worst director? director? <laughs> Barry Sonnenfeld for Will Smith's Wild Wild West. Uh, worst screenplay, Wild Wild West, story by Jim Thomas and John Thomas, screenplay by S.S. Wilson, Brent Maddock, Jeffrey Price, and Peter Seaman. The fact that there's that many names is the Worry. reason why it's so bad. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry, John. Worst original song has happened. Oh, no. Wild Wild West from Wild Wild West. Music and lyrics by Stevie Wonder. Good old Stevie. Uh, cool. I, I'm even loath to mention Stevie Wonder in the Razzies. Um uh, cool Modi yeah. and Will Smith. So, uh, Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West was the worst song of the year. Um, yeah, that's hating on rap music. 1999, Party Like It's 99, End of the Century. The Razzies, the Academy Awards didn't celebrate it. That I know. Well, they might have done, but we don't care about those. We're here for the Razzies. The Razzies actually had a special section for the End of the Century where they had four special awards, which we're quickly going to run through now. So, John, take us away for the first one. So, the worst picture of the decade goes to Showgirls. That won seven Razzies in 1995. Um, I got to point out um, the nominees for this category for Worst Picture of the Decade go to uh, an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn from 98. Uh, Hudson Hawk, <laughs> a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm waiting for you to uh, say that. The Postman, uh, which was the Kevin Costner film, right? Uh, yeah. Um, and then uh, Striptease from 96 uh, were all nominated for Worst Picture, but Showgirls won out. With those seven uh, wins, and yeah, that movie, man, that movie is insane. Um, movie is sucks. Kyle McLaughlin in that movie? Yep, that's so crazy. I did, I just <laughs> yeah. placed that. I've I saw that movie when I was far too young. Um, for one, two, it was Jesse from Saved by the Bell, and I was a big Saved by the <laughs> yeah. Bell fan. And uh, then, yeah, I just now realized I'm like, wait a minute, that's Kyle freaking McLaughlin in that movie. <laughs> what is happening? I just um, feel sorry yeah. for Hudson Hawk and his cappuccino. Man. Oh, I had a cappuccino today. <laughs> in honor of Hudson Hall. What a great scene. In honor of um, yep. Worst new star of the decade. Paulie Shaw for Biodome, Encino Man, Jury Duty, plus more. Um, the nominees were Elizabeth Barkley for Showgirls, Ahmed Best for The Phantom Menace, Sophia Coppola for The Godfather Part 3, and The Phantom Menace, despite the fact that she was really? just a face in the background for that film. Oh. And Dennis Rodman for Simon Says and Double Team. I, that's not even like Rodman. Come on, Rodman was a fluke that he got to act because of his yeah. shenanigans on yeah. the basketball court. Yeah, um, but I feel it's a little harsh to Polly Shore. I like Polly Shore. Yes, he is a very specific type of character, but you could make that same argument for like Jason Mewes or indoor Kevin Smith. Like they they found a shtick and they stuck with it, and you either like it or you don't. Yeah. I don't think it's the worst Stick actor. To what um, good at for some people doing it works for them. Yeah, you know, you know what I like. I you know what I'll admit. I already said I liked Encino Man. I like Son-in-Law, and frankly, Biodome is funny. I don't care. You know, it's not a good movie, <laughs> Toad but it's Razzies. funny. Yeah, anyways, uh, worst actor of the century. This is cruel. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone for 99.5% of everything he's ever done. <laughs> wow. I mean, yes, Rocky is his best <laughs> by far. But come on, Demolition Man, that's enjoyable. Like, it's awful. But it's enjoyable. Whatever. It's 99.5%. Just to let him have that half percent. It's Rocky. That's literally the only character that apparently they're approving of. Um, Rambo? Kevin 
I, yeah, I got to rewatch Rambo. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. Um, the other nominees for the worst actor, Kevin Costner, <laughs> which I I like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but I'll admit he's just Kevin Costner. He's not like Robin <laughs> Hood in that. Um, but we got Prince, really, for Graffiti Bridge and Under the Cherry Moon. William Shatner for every Star Trek film that he would. These sound like like snarky like like top five like posts like like uh the Leno bit or the Letterman bit you know or no wait it was it was Le- Letterman Letterman did the top five right you were more um, probably these, these, clued up on American short house and talk shows oh you were right I apologize yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that American mind of mine thinking that all the world knows our stuff yeah, I've heard of um, all of them but not to the minutiae but, of that. Well, and then Polly Shore for the uh, the reasons we said for free previously. Um, man, it's poor Stallone though. That's that's brutal. But ninety nine point five percent. Who are they cruel to for the actresses, Matt? Well, this is somebody who we've mentioned many times on the Razzie section before. For better or worse, worst worst actress of the century goes to Madonna. For Body of Evidence, Shanghai Surprise, Who's That Girl, etc. Did I mention uh, a League of, um, of Their Own or whatever it's called? I like that film. She's good in that, she's and she's also that. good in Dick Tracy. Yes, yeah, body of evidence, Shanghai surprise, maybe not so. Uh, nominees, Elizabeth Barkley for Showgirls. I'm sure she, she was also nominated for Worst New Star. Bo Derek uh, for Bolero, Tarzan, other Tarzan, the ape man. Brooke Shields for the Blue Lagoon, Sahara Speed Zone. And Pia Zadora for Voyage of the Rock Aliens, which sounds incredible. Butterfly, Fake Out, The Lonely Lady, and many, many more. That sounds like a B actress, though. Like, that seems unfair to, like... If you're going to go into that, like, is Tommy Wiseau, like, the winner for the 2010, like, or the 2000 I decade winner? I hope so. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, like he's not on the list with, uh, whatever. The Razzies, maybe questionable. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't put too much stock in I love Razzies, how we've got to the point now where John is fighting the Razzies now. <laughs> we've done it's, it. We're going at him. Um, all right. Uh, that, that leads, that's the end of the awards. Yeah, can't What's really argue next? with the most of the academy awards but so um yeah awards done let's move on to the uh to nature and the existence uh brings us on to the next segment comings and goings so we're gonna look at the births and deaths of 1999 so these are people uh who are now known um from that year which isn't as many as you might think even though it's now these people are 20 um and going into uh the deaths the people we lost um, in 1999. So starting off with the births, uh, July 30th, we get Joey King, who uh, is an actress. She is in some really good stuff and has recently done a lot of shit. Um, yes. Wish Upon, Slender Man, Independence Day, Resurgence, The Kissing Booth. Man, you really put all of her shit on that list. <laughs> uh, we've both said Sorry. before we want to love Joey King, but she lets herself down an awful lot. And those movies are... I didn't even know she was in Independence Day, Resurgence because I did not see that movie. <laughs> yeah. We don't go and see it for Joey King because she's just bad in it. Oh, it's a shame. But I, yeah, we really want to like her, so keep going, Joey. We do like you, really. October fifteenth, Bailey Madison. Uh, she's an actress in Bridge to Terabithia, the uh, ah. one of the most misleading films ever. The Strangers, mm-hmm. Prey at Night, and Good Witch from television. And if I'm not mistaken, she is also in uh, Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. She is in Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm a fan of that movie. I, I will not deny it. It was on at Christmas, and I quite enjoyed it yep there you go hey all right <laughs> oh and then november 10th i forgot this was my turn um <laughs> kieran shipka i don't even know who this is um actress the black coat's daughter madman madmen a show i need to watch 
and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, a show that I probably won't watch because it is not for me. Uh, my daughter loves it, though. You, have, you can ask her about Kian and Shipcar. The Black Coat's Daughter was a horror film which I watched, and at first I thought was Lord of Old Pony, but then I've rewatched it since and thought, actually, it's quite good. It also has um, Emma Roberts in it as well. Um, so, mm. a decent little film that was. So, not many births. Um, but three, uh, well, certainly one actress who's really trying very hard in Joey King, and she has done some credible work. But yes, I would, yeah, her cinematic roles, Conjuring, um, uh, wish you were here, or I wish you were. Here. I uh, the Zach Braff movie that I can never remember the name of, um, going here. in style, mm-hmm. and then even the Great and Powerful Oz. Uh, not not a great movie, but Joey King's fine in it. She's the porcelain doll. Um. But yeah, uh, she's done some good stuff. And Slender Man. Recently, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, they were the births. Not too many, but a few. Uh, sadly, we moved to the who left us in 1999, and there are some some big names. Big names. Yeah, uh, leading mm-hmm. off with, uh, ironically, the guy who I couldn't remember earlier on, February the 20th. I know. Gene Siskel. Only 53 years old. Obviously, of course, he was a film critic for the Chicago Tribune and at the movies and made up the Siskel and Ebert partnership. Uh, March 7th, uh, Stanley Kubrick, the iconic film director, died at age 70, uh, most notable for 2001 A Space Odyssey, Barry Lyndon, The Shining, A Clockwork Orange, Lolita, Full Metal Jacket. I mean, seriously, the dude is a legend. Um, and we got to at least mention um, Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop mm-hmm. Worrying and Love the Bomb because, my God, that movie's brilliant. So Yeah, and I think he died what, six days after handing in I'd Wash Shut to the studio. So um, wow. that was his final film uh, from this list. Uh, April the 4th, Bob Peck. Again, 53 years old. Uh, an actor who was in Jurassic Park, Lord of the Flies, Edge of Darkness and Slipstream. May 2nd, Oliver Reed, age 62, actor. Uh, was in Oliver, Gladiator, The Devils and The Three Musketeers. Yeah, good old Oliver Reed, Hellraiser. Uh, July the 2nd, Mario Puzo, 78, author, screenwriter. Of course, he was known for the Godfather series and also wrote Superman. Yep. The uh, the first film, Superman? Uh, yeah, I believe it was. Interesting. Um, September 22nd, George C. Scott, 71, actor uh, for Patton, Dr. Strangelove, which okay. I just mentioned. He's, he's so good in that movie, by the way. The Hustler and The Changeling, which I need to watch. I've not seen The Changeling. It's okay. He's also in The Exorcist 3 as Detective Kinderman, uh, and I ah. really enjoy that film, and I like George C. Scott's big, loud um, performance in that film as well. Uh, December 26th, Boxing Day, there's two. First one is uh, a personal favourite musician of mine is Curtis Mayfield, 57 years old, singer, composer, actor, uh, most notable f- uh, cinematically for Superfly, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and some ass-kicking soul music uh, taken far too soon. And then the same day, as Matt said, Michael McDowell, uh, age 49 only, screenwriter, uh, did Beetlejuice and The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so two iconic films, in my opinion, that he wrote. And sad that he is died so young. Yeah, was a heck of a lot of talent went in 1989. Far, far too young. So um, it's always a sad part of, of the show, but it's also a way of just, just remembering and celebrating... The, the legacy that these uh, ladies and gentlemen left behind. But as the year concluded, we had some great movies and some absolute turkeys. Uh, we also had some new uh, performers coming on to the scene who you may have heard of. So let's have a look in our next segment. The debuts. These are the film debuts. Um, we like to look and kind of see 
uh, people who we now know as big names that like this is how they got their start. This is when they showed up. So, Matt, who's first? You may have heard of her. Amy Adams. She starred in Drop Dead Gorgeous and is known for Arrival, American Hustle, Nocturnal Animals, uh, Enchanted Vice, Man of Steel, and an annual social media campaign to give her an Academy Award. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Amy Adams. I, I just, she is so amazing. Um, next up, Jay Baruchel, whose name I can barely say. <laughs> uh, Running Home is the movie that he debuts in, but uh, most famous for really the How to Train Your Dragon series. Um, this is the end, Goon One and Two, and um, The Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nick Cage. Oh, I've forgotten about that film. <laughs> also, actually, if I can throw one more out there, I, I alluded to a film called Fanboys earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's in that. Uh, that's the film. It's about uh, four friends. One of them is dying of cancer, and they decide to storm the uh, Lucas Ranch in order to see Phantom Menace before he potentially won't be there to see Phantom Menace. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a fun Star Wars fan movie, like basically is what it really is. Check it out. It sounds like a very decent film. I don't mind Jay Baruchel. I like the goon. I like Goon uh, with uh, Sean Williams. Mm-hmm. Oh, goon yeah. Who is okay? I haven't but, watched two yet. Yeah, Jay Baruchel's uh, character is obnoxious in that film compared mm-hmm. to the first mm-hmm. one. So it's a real down point of that film. Plus, Goon Two was clearly made just to get the band back together again. Um, Zoe Deschanel. She debuted in Mumford and has, of course, gone on to star in 500 Days of Summer, which is a good film. Elf, Yes Man, and obviously uh, New Girl on television. Uh, Idris Elba uh, debuts in Bell Maman? Maman. Maman. You might know him from Pacific Rim, the beloved The Dark Tower film. Um, He shows up in the MCU as Heimdall. Uh, he was in The Losers, uh, The Wire, and Luther, both of two shows I've not seen but I've heard amazing things about. And he'll be taking over as Deadshot in the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie coming out. Yeah, and if you believe the hype, apparently he's going to be James Bond. But yeah, The Wire is always, apparently, ah. over here, The Wire is cited as the greatest TV oh show of all time. Um, it's up there with Breaking Bad, apparently, but I've never seen it. So I'm going to watch it. Uh, next up was a favourite of mine, um, certainly Me too. More, more recent Me too. years, Colin Farrell. Within the last decade, he really has had a renaissance. He started in the war zone, known for uh, the phone booth, Total Recall, The Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer, In Bruges, Miami Vice, and a short stint in Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, big fan of Colin Farrell. Um, I'm less of a fan of this man. James Franco uh, debuts in Never Been Kissed, which I didn't realize he was in that. Uh, he's most known for the Disaster Artist, 127 Hours, the Spider-Man trilogy, that's the Sam Raimi trilogy, Spring Breakers, which I did not care for, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and Pineapple Express, uh, which is probably my favorite Franco film. Yeah. Um, H- House to Pie, John? It's it's bitter. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Zach Galifianakis, uh, a name I struggled to pronounce half the time, he uh, debuted in Flushed, which sounds... I have seen that, actually. Yeah. So I'm thinking of Flushed Away, actually. But they yeah, both right. probably have a certain connotation to him. He, of course, yep. he's known for the Hangover series. Uh, Jude Eight, the horrendous masterminds, Birdman, and A Wrinkle in Time. Regina Hall. Wow, I didn't realize she debuted. Um, 99, The Best Man. Uh, she's great. Girl Strip, scary movie series. Um, this just says little. Is that, yep. is that the whole title? Just a film. Yeah. Um, and then she was in uh, Support the Girls and um, If Beale Street Could Talk, which is now on Hulu. Um, of course. So if you missed, if Beale Street could talk, check that out. Uh, you may have heard of the next one. Um, I'm jealous of this wow. man in every way. Hugh Jackman. He uh, debuted in Paperback Hero. And of course he's gone on 
to star in the X-Men films uh, as Wolverine slash Logan and in Wolverine and Logan. Uh, the Greatest Showman, uh, Lem, Lem is The Prestige, Van Helsing, uh, huge, uh, um, the front run of this year's will. Wonderful uh, hair, wonderful jawline. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a manly man. Um, Dakota Johnson debuts. She, she must have been like a kid. Yeah, she uh, must have been. Crazy in Alabama. She's uh, most famous, unfortunately, for the Fifty Shades series, the Suspiria remake, um, Bad Times at the El Royale, and I did not know she was in the Social Network. I is she like the a random girl in the Social Network? Who she's in the Social Network, but um... interesting. I love that movie. I might have to go looking for. Her. And she's also she's in some other stuff. She's better than her filmography says. <laughs> yeah, she's great in Suspiria, the remake. Yeah, I'm not sure if you've you, caught up whether on you like the movie or not. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I, I didn't dislike it. I, I it did make me appreciate the original a little more, mm-hmm. which I did not That's like the original when I saw it. So, who's next? Chris Klein. Uh, he starred in. Uh, sorry, he debuted in Election and starred in the American Pie series. We were soldiers, just friends, and more recently in The Flash on television. Really? Yep, he's in there. I didn't realize he showed he's up on the. Fl- I stopped watching it. Fair in character, two, I think. Wow, I had no clue. Um, Must okay, have a mask on. I, I didn't watch the last, like, two seasons. Um, I watched the first three, I think. Uh, Ashton Kutcher debuts in Coming Soon, a show I'm, or a movie I'm not familiar with. But obviously we know him from The Butterfly Effect, What Happens in Vegas, Dude, Where's My Car, That 70s Show, and Two and a Half Men uh, After Charlie Sheen Found Tiger's Blood. <laughs> Charlie Sheen went mental. Um, Ali Lata debuted in Varsity Blues, and she's gone on. Enjoyable movie. It is. Uh, and also some enjoyable movies. The Final Destination series. Legally Blonde, she's also in the Resident Evil series of films, and Heroes oh, right. from TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I liked Heroes, uh, the first season at least. Uh, Justin Long, who I am a huge <laughs> fan of, by the way, um, debuts in Galaxy Quest, yeah. uh, stars in Jeepers Creepers, he's just not that into you, uh, Dodgeball, um, the a true underdog story, Live Free or Die Hard, and I'm going to throw in Tusk, mm-hmm. and um, also Waiting, a movie that a lot of people skipped, but is really, really funny. Um, and he's in a decent rom-com with Drew Barrymore because Drew Barrymore makes decent rom-coms. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but he has to travel back and forth like through something. Yeah, Galaxy Quest is a, is a film we kind of we jumped over because of time, but Galaxy Quest yeah. is awesome. You haven't seen it. Go it is watch super Galaxy awesome. Quest. Uh, Kate Mara debuted in Random Hearts and has since gone on to starring the shoot in Shooter, The Martian, Fantastic Four, Megan Levy, Iron Man Two, Brokeback Mountain, and the we already mentioned House this of House Cards. of Cards on TV. And Melissa McCarthy debuts in Go, um, but you might know her from Bridesmaids or Can You Ever Forgive Me, which is her best performance, mm-hmm. period. Spy, The Heat. Spy is her best, I think, straight comedy. Um, Ghostbusters, The Happy Time Murders, mm-hmm. which was so bad. I can't believe Happy Time Murders and Can You Ever Forgive Me came out the same year. <laughs> and, That's a real um, good point, actually. Yeah, and I do want to point out uh, St. Vincent, which is a film I just keep making sure people know exists because it's Bill Murray and he's amazing. You must remember that Happy Town Murders had Ben Falcone attached to it, her husband, and cinematically yes. he is the devil on her shoulder. Um, uh, John Burke's uh, Soul Man, Simon Pegg, yep. debuted in Tube Tales. I haven't seen that. I haven't either. There's one for you there. He, of course, he went on to go into Corner of Trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, the Star- new Star Trek series. Uh, Mission Impossible series spaced, of course, on television. I love space uh, so and much. He popped up in The Force Awakens as well. I was going to say that, so uh, thank you for Uncar saying it. Plot. 
I am a big, big, big Simon fan. So yeah, um, I love everything you just said from that series. Sean William Scott, uh, American <laughs> Pie. Um, he's in the American Pie series as Stifler. It has many, many quotable lines. Um, he's in Goon One and Two. One of, to me, one of the most underrated comedies, role models. Agreed. I freaking love that movie so, so much. Um, Dude, where's my car? And Lethal Weapon, uh, the TV series, which I actually didn't know he was a part of that. Yep, I like, um, I like Sean William Scott. Me, I do too. I think he got a bad rap. He's also in uh, um, Kevin Smith's uh, directed but not written film Cop Out with Bruce Willis mm-hmm. and Tracy Morgan. Yeah, I, I read an, uh, an interview with him recently in to- Total Film, I think it was, and he comes across such a decent guy, hard-working guy. I think he's got the chops as well for certain roles. He was great yeah. in Goon. Um, and the yeah, he's one. perfect in Goon. But and role models, my God, he's models. so perfectly cast in role models. It's a comedy that people don't talk about. But I, I literally just watched it like a week ago. I love that movie. I go back to it all the time. It's got such a great cast too. Like, I mean, you got Jane Lynch in there before people knew who she mm-hmm. was. Like, I mean, the comedic chops in that film is so high. And Paul Rudd is, I think, at one of his best performances in that movie. Um, I, I super advocate everyone watch role models. It, if it's not a cult movie yet, it deserves to be it, Cause it is for me. I quote lines from it all the time. Um, like Paul even has uh, Ken, the same then, by the way. Yeah. And Ke- yes, he does. And Ken Jong is even in it before yeah, people know Banks who he is. And, uh, Christopher mm-hmm. Mintz Plass, I want to say. So yep. names people are after super bad, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's probably his best performance after super bad though. Like, uh, as, cause McLovin's pretty memorable, but <laughs> yeah, um, Keegan Michael yeah, Keaton there as well, I think as well. So there's there's names people yes. know of here. Um, you will have heard of this second one, this second to last one. Sorry, as somebody who's been desperate to shed their uh, current image, and she's a damn fine actress, Kristen Stewart. She is debuted in the thirteenth year. Um, probably sadly for her, is tied to the Twilight Saga. She's also been in Snow White and the Huntsman, Personal Shopper, Panic Room, Adventureland, Clouds of Silmaria, and Into the Wild. Yeah, Personal Shopper is outstanding, um, if you didn't see it. I wasn't a huge uh, fan of the film, but I think she was very good. Yeah, I think she's amazing in it. And I, I like the film. Um, I don't know that I fully grasped everything the film was trying to say, but I, I liked it. And uh, last but not least, Gabrielle Union uh, debuts in She's All That. She is – I really find her to be charming. She just doesn't get a lot of great movies, unfortunately. Um, she's in Bring It On, though, which is a, a classic, uh, again, kind of a cult-followed film. Um, it was kind of brushed off as, like, cheerleader comedy, but it's actually really good. Um, I, you know, Breaking In was not good. Bad Boys 2 is not good. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You, very good. America's Got Talent TV show. Is she, like, a judge? Yeah, I think she's been since the very beginning as well. Oh, man, I, I don't watch those shows. And then Being Mary Jane, I, uh, I'm assuming, is a drug-related tv series like weeds or something that name, the name. So, yeah yeah but i don't know but um yeah she's she's a, is a very charming actress she's in a christmas movie i love with um i think it's almost christmas with uh danny glover from a couple of years ago um oh. it's danny glover and then uh it's a it's a huge cast but um almost christmas may not be right I, whatever it is it's a movie that my wife and i really love um it is a christmas movie so it's going to be you know, a little sappy, but man, um, it's got Monique in it as well. Really good, uh, whatever it's called. But I, she's super charming in it. Um, she has like it's a ensemble movie, so there's a lot of stories trying to get tied together. But hers is one of the stronger ones, and I really like her a lot in it. So just to throw her out there, she's she's she is capable of Hollywood. Give her some better roles. And I like Christmas Christmas movies, so um, cast three more of those, please. Uh, Amy Adams 
Hugh Jackman, Colin Farrell, Idris Elba. I mean, Melissa McCarthy, Simon Pegg, big Kristen Stewart, big list, and any again, just people like Sean William Scott, uh, Ashton Kutcher, Dakota Johnson, uh, James Franco, Zach Galifianakis. People know their faces. It's not like they're it's not like they're nobodies. This is a huge year for film debuts. Or so, um, nineteen ninety nine has been a huge year for film, but we wouldn't be we'd be remiss if we thought this film this podcast was all about the films. We've spoken mm. about the films, you know, big, big joy. We've had some great memories, amazing. But now, this is what we're all here for. It's time for Mr. John Burke <laughs> to take it away and wrap us up with the Burke I've, I've consulted the stars, Matt, <laughs> and they have spoken. Here it is, folks. Cue the music. If you were born this year, 1999, you were born in the year of the Phantom. <laughs> Spirits from your past will show themselves to you, revealing secrets to a world unseen. Don't be afraid of these images as they seek to show you the truth, nothing more. Do know it is often better to look to the next stage in your story rather than trying to look to the past to explain how you got where you are. No matter how tough things get, there will be a figure in your life whose very presence seems to say, you've got a friend in me. What a brilliant ending. <laughs> I, I imagine, John, I was standing above um, like a font of water, staring at its reflection, <laughs> right in this, all with a magic ball, like a crystal ball, and just coming up with this kind of horoscope. Um, I, I apparently have a knack for uh, horoscope writing and fortune cookie writing. So. Yeah, I'll eat the cookie, you do the writing. I, uh, I said to John, I, I wouldn't... I, mine would literally be like, you will put on a DVD and eat a red pill, <laughs> Jar Jar, Poodoo. That would literally be mine, so... Um, out of all the pods I listen to and do the Burkoscope is very much up there and what I enjoy listening to just to see what he's come up with every month so thank you very much for that John and yes. that's that it's a, another bumper episode but when there's so many films sometimes we just have to talk about them and I feel like there's a lot more we could have spoken about but um, for sure thank you very much to my super hero co-host JB for coming on it's been brilliant thanks Matt for having me on no worries anytime and I'm already looking forward to the next episode but before then where can the world find you online you can go to burkreviews.com or follow me on any social media at burkreviews and don't forget to check out burkreviews.com for the how to donate to his GoFundMe for the Tribeca experience if you want to hear more of John's thoughts on those films and you can find me what I watch tonight.co.uk across the socials what I watch tonight mainly just Twitter and Instagram though Um, if you like what you hear Tell the world, tell your friends that the couple of guys just want to talk film. That's all we're here for. We just want to talk film. Leave us a review on iTunes if you like it. It helps the show out. Or just hit us up on social media and just have a chat about films. Our inboxes are always open. But uh, until next time, though, from me, thank you very much and see ya. But from John, keep watching movies. Okay.